4: All right, yeah, thanks for waking up with us on this Monday. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy, he's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort, hanging out with you on the fan here in Indianapolis. As always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Greg Doyle will join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. A ton of football. Pascal Siakam, the uh, Pacers, and the road trip at 2-4. and four, And much more to talk about here on this fine Monday. Monday. KB, good morning to you. How's everything going? How's the weekend, big guy? Good morning. Yeah. Uh, weekend
5: was good. good. Commute in on this Monday morning was a breeze. We haven't said that uh, too often here over the past week or so. It's going to so be no like, four,
4: get like 40, 50 degrees this week. Yeah. How oh, about yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, get we're going to go short here.
5: We're going to go shorts later this week. We might need the <laughs> sunscreen later this week. But yeah, weekend was fun. Uh, went to the Golf Expo yeah. on Saturday morning. That was a nice time. Uh, stopped over at Hinkle Fieldhouse Saturday afternoon for their game. I love the four o'clock tips there. You get a little sun coming in the windows there for the first half. Yeah, sure you nighttime do. Nighttime uh, as it reached uh, kind of the latter parts of that game. So fun time with the family there and we just watched a lot of football then after that.
4: Yeah, that's what uh, we were talking before the show, and Mark went to Disney on ice, and then he's like, and after that, I just
6: watched football all yep. weekend, and that's what I did. <laughs> I just watched football all weekend. And better Friday night great. was the fatherly duties. Friday night was, okay, okay, kids, this is for you. Let's see Disney. Let's do all the characters. And then Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, okay. And
4: now
5: you're to reward,
6: Dad. hmm Yeah.
4: And I want to say that I did bring in my beer for Mark Dyke today. The bet today. has been paid. Uh, it only took about a week and a half, but so I Mark repaid my bet. social media to well, kind of <laughs> take a jab. Well, he the Texans, did, yeah. The Texans Man. were in
6: the playoffs and out of the playoffs before I got my beer for them <laughs> making the playoffs. Were, they were
4: out of the playoffs. Thank God, the Texans. That is the game that I said, ah, if one game might get away, it might be that, the punt fest that Houston went through over the weekend. You know my thoughts on that. If you're a Colts fan, you know, it's okay watching the Texans Move out of the playoffs
6: and let the big boys through. That's what we got now. And, and this is that a bit concerning, though. that CJ Stroud looks like a dude, though.
4: Oh, oh
5: yeah, without well, question, yeah, he yeah. looks I mean, like a dude. I mean, so. We talked about it last night or last week. You know, the thing about Houston too. It's not just Stroud. It's like those premium positions. They could pretty much check the box at all of them. Now moving forward, certainly a much better entertainment level from the divisional round games and we got in the wild card. I have not been one that has said this in the past, but I'm here. And I don't know if it's the Kelsey involvement. I don't know if it's Taylor Swift, but I'm just tired of the Chiefs.
4: Okay, you know what? We might need to stop the show, and I might need to give you a hug. I might need to give you a hug and, and right now. And I have now. nothing against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs>
5: there I really we go. Have, I have very little against Andy Reid, and honestly, probably 90-some percent of that comment is just strictly jealousy. Oh, it's 100% jealousy. But I'm just tired of them. And I don't know, maybe it's Maddie kind of rubbing off of me because she's like looking at me like, gosh, are they really going to win this again? And and sure enough, with the Bills kind of on the brink of it, and that drive was, I thought, going so well there at the end. They were eating up clock. They were kind of methodically moving it. I'm like, this is going to work out. I mean, when the two-minute warning happens, I, I don't know about you guys, I don't like the Bills are going to win this football game. And then all of a sudden that drive stalls. And as soon as Bass walked out there to kick the field goal, even if he makes it, you just know Mahomes is going to somehow get
4: into Harrison Bucker field
5: goal range. And I feel like Bucker (laughs) makes every meaningful kick that that matters there. So that was my lone bummer. If there was a lone bummer, well, I I guess outside of the Pacers dropping both, uh, I I would say it happened about 9 o'clock last night
6: or whenever that game ended of as soon as 3rd and 9 fell incomplete, I was like, oh, boy. I thought that it was, was flipping it. the Bills way when Pacheco dropped it in the end zone, and it, they got so lucky that, that Pacheco had that turnover in the end zone. Hardman. They, yeah. Oh, we'll yeah, Hardman. Hardman. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I was like, oh, the Bills might do it. The, the, luck is turning their way after that boneheaded decision to – do a fake punt and everything and then it just oh so what's so funny
4: is I text Kevin this morning and I go at 7 but we can do some of it now I go at 7:30 I have two things as a jumping off point if we want to talk NFL I never would have thought because I thought my my bit here, I thought my personality here, guys, would be that I would be the curmudgeon towards some of these teams, and I thought uh, KB would roll in and say, "Andy, don't be the mean and nasty guy uh, on the Lord's Day when you're watching some NFL," and then on this Monday, oh, life is too short. That I thought you would scold me that life is too short. No, I'm all in I'm, on okay, the Ravens well, Sunday. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of two things. Okay. I'm tired, uh, and and I I already am going to have to worry about this, okay? I don't dislike the Kelseys. In fact, everything around me should like the Kelseys. They're hanging out with beautiful women. The fat one can tear his shirt off, and he's really not that fat. But he's a I was now say, a call former, him fat. I'm well, a little nervous now he's What a you former, would call us? <laughs> now he's a former. Well, people call me. You know what they call me? A former uh, offensive lineman. But he can take his shirt off and and do a shot out of a, a bowling ball at a tailgate before the game. And inevitably, those guys are going to build like we haven't even started the Kelsey media uh, bonanza they're gonna start they already have a podcast and there's rumors that they're gonna do a game watch along like the Manning brothers do and I'm already tired of the Kelsey brothers and we haven't even started uh their their media mogul reign if you will and then number two I'm done with the Buffalo Bills I'm done with Bills Mafia. Well, you don't have to see him I, I again until September. I'm, I'm good just, news. I'm finished with them. I tried to ride hard with the Bills this year, that this was the year and they had injuries, and it's Josh Allen and he's a maniac and the Chiefs aren't as good and all these different things. And I and I'm just I'm done with them. And the Bills Mafia drinking with the Kelsey, drinking with Jason Kelsey, uh that's fun until until his brother beats you and scores two touchdowns. And of course, Kansas City does what Kansas City does. And that is they win. You got to give them credit, but I'm so tired of seeing them win. I'm with you. Fighting Dan Campbells will be a touchdown underdog coming up Sunday
5: in San Francisco. Obviously, the Debo Samuel injury will be a huge storyline all week long. And it will be Baltimore. So both the one seeds hosting here in their respective title games. It'll be Baltimore with a huge second half. Uh, They are a slight favorite. So once again, if you would like, you're going to get Mahomes in points on the road. They are a slight early favorite here as we get ready for the AFC title game. The top two scoring defense, I believe, in the league, Baltimore and Kansas City coming up uh, on Sunday. That is the first game, by the way. I I might have misspoke there. That is the first game, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Second game will be that 49ers And Lions game.
6: What's the juiciest Super Bowl matchup for you guys with the four teams left? I
5: I think I was thinking about this on the drive in. You could talk yourself, I think, into several of them. You know, Mm -hmm. certainly any sort of sentimental value involves the Lions. I mean, that is the obvious one. They're the only team left that hasn't won a Super Bowl. You know, that one kind of speaks for itself. You know, I mean, what since probably Halloween, maybe even earlier than that, Baltimore and San Francisco have been the two best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, do we, and we don't always get that one seed versus
4: one seed. Oh, that's the story of the postseason.
5: Angle to it. So I, I could actually talk myself into
6: several, but again, heart over anything else right now, I am all in on the Lions. I feel like we could see a David Goliath where it's Lions versus Chiefs. The underdog against the team that's been there like seemingly every year for the last six years.
5: One thing I do love about the Lions story this year, among other things, is like, they were the preseason darling. I mean, everybody said yeah. after their end of last they season, lived up to last season, they it. beat Green Bay in the season finale. It was here come the Lions. They're good, you know. They're gonna win the NFC North. And how many times do you see the preseason darling just fail? Oh, or, or, all the time. Not, yeah, not be one of the last sure. four standings. Sure, so, um, yeah. It is, and that was a pretty entertaining game. That had some, you know, talk about Campbell going forward on fourth and goal there. From like that was a long what. <laughs> Was it two yards? I, I I was like looking at it. I'm like, wait a minute. Don't you want to kick a field goal here late in the third quarter? And they just run it right at the gut, right at Vita via uh, Campbell, doing Campbell things.
4: Well, that's, the not, that's not the story. That's not the story of, of that. You're missing the story. So if you don't know, the Lions went for it on fourth down. On first down, they ran the ball. This is towards the end of the game. Chris Collinsworth on CBS goes, This is what this is what Dan Campbell's gonna do. Nothing cute. He and Ben Johnson are gonna run the ball up the middle, and then they broke huddle with five wide receivers and they spread the ball and they passed on second down KB and third down. And then they ran Craig Reynolds up the middle. They may want and Andy, why do you care that they ran Craig Reynolds up the middle? Well, the top prop bet in that game. Did you have Jameer was, Gibbs or no, David Montgomery? Was David Montgomery anytime touchdown at minus one. 150 that, I know I looked up and I was everybody like everybody had in their parlays is number 13 is that a backup <laughs> quarterback is that Teddy Bridgewater Goodness. in the so, backfield so Chiefs Ravens Lions Niners uh, we'll dive into that your early thoughts two and four on the road trip that damn Portland game is sticking in my crawl if you will with the Pacers over the weekend two games with Pascal Siakam any thoughts I guess here well early on this Monday morning again
5: Individually, I thought Siakam had some really, really nice moments, especially as a creator. And yesterday, you really needed him to do more than just score. He didn't – what do he have, 15 or 16, I think it was – last night, but he did have a big assist number, which was, again, needed yeah, Seven assists. Halliburton. I don't know if you guys saw Halliburton's jacket. It looked like he was a contestant on Double Dare, <laughs> if we have to continue <laughs> down our did, wild and crazy did, kids did comment from Did you see his Friday. dad in
4: Sacramento? I love that. The Pacers, that Pacers put, all his his the, put all the stuff on social media. His he dad's, mic'd up. His dad's was, waving, yeah. uh, waving to the crowd. I'm like, man, that's bold. Someone's going to chirp back at Halliburton's dad. God bless John Halliburton. <laughs> um, I guess I could go a lot of different directions, though,
5: Andy. I, I think you're at a point now in the second half of the season where I I don't know if feel-good nature is the right way to describe it. Like, the Pacers need to win some games. I mean, if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, Andy, if the playoffs started today, they'd be in the play-in game against the Magic. Yeah, they'd be a seven seed. We've seen what the Magic have done to them. And and remember, you don't have your first-round pick. So, like, when you make a trade like this, expectations now all of a sudden skyrocket, skyrocket here and now. Like, you've got to get in the playoffs this year because you don't have... You know That that pick coming up here uh, this summer, um, again, big wings continue to dominate. I mean, Jeremy Grant on Friday night, one of the best nights of his season. Uh, he did that to you earlier in the year. The fact that he got swept by Portland is just such a no. low point. Uh, and then last night, without Halliburton, of course, you feel like you're playing with a little bit of house money, and you had moments. I mean, you had a lead, uh, just a one-point lead with three minutes to go. Obviously, the Suns, big three. They make the plays down the stretch. I will say exiting last night. When I saw Halliburton was out, I was a bit puzzled. Um, for those that watched Friday night, again Halliburton made his return. That was on the very early, early end of what Adrian Wojnarowski originally reported as the approximate two-week reevaluation. That was more like ten days, and it's not like ten days and he was reevaluated, Andy. It was ten days and he's back playing, and he had a really nice game on Friday night. But for anybody that watched it, he clearly was favoring. What, whether that is a hamstring or whatever. He was favoring something. And then it's not a back-to-back on Sunday, but he doesn't play. So it's just a little bit of a concern I have moving forward of, is this going to linger at all? We know hamstrings can be tricky. I don't think we're there yet, but, you know, I brought up originally when the uh, injury occurred, Andy. Remember there's that 65-game threshold to be mm-hmm. on the All-NBA teams? And he's got, I think it's six games to play with the rest of the season. Uh, in, in trying to make that 65 game threshold, which would increase his contract to 260 some million, uh, assuming he'd be an all NBAer, which I think he will. Uh, so I, I think you could go in a lot of different directions with the Pacers, but I was certainly bummed in Friday night more than anything.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just he got to win that Portland game. Imagine if they if they leave that Portland game three and three. Right, if they win that game, and if they lose last night, and it was a close game, another valiant effort, another game where a guy like Jarris Walker, who I think absolutely can be part of your rotation, um, to to me, you know, it's one of those things. On Friday, we sat in here, and didn't you feel really good about the Pacers? coming off that, I mean, who they beat? They, they well, came beat off Sacramento that win with Thursday, Sacramento. Yeah. Uh-huh. All of the Pascal Siakam is going to be here. All of the, hey, Halliburton, you know, this injury is clearing up. And then you think, okay, we're full strength, if you will, against Portland. Lost to Portland earlier this season. Let's take care of this and at least go 500, knowing, knowing that Phoenix last night was going to be difficult. When they're playing, you know, when Booker's there and Beal's there, um, my man Eric Gordon's still firing threes. Still just firing threes. Uh, Eric Good God! How much money has he made? Uh, the prime in, in the North NBA. Central. Yes, he is. Uh, and then you know Duran has forty. Uh, to me, I'm interested. And even after the game, hopefully, we get to speak with Carlisle tomorrow. You know how how Rick Carlisle going to use Pascal Siakam? What creative things on both ends Last of the floor? The do they come up with late in the game. Yeah, I mean, he's, and I think that's more to match up. I believe with Phoenix
5: because you know oh, Nurkic was in foul yeah, trouble for them. Yeah, because they
4: can go small and they can bring in all their but offensive weapons the
5: late in that one. Yeah,
4: I mean, you, you know, you can play him at the 5, he guarded Devin, Devin Booker, uh at times guarded Kevin Durant obviously at times. So, uh, how they kind of figure him out, I'm interested, but I I think you're right. The overall the overall narrative is okay, you survived the road trip, you got Pascal Siakam. Halliburton is some stage of getting there, being healthy, uh, and now you come home. Denver, Philly, I mean, Phoenix, Memphis. No, it's a massive week. They have to. They have, They have to get going. Like to me, I'm with you. This is now a week. You're back home. It's going to be wild in Game Bridge. You're going to have Siakam with the home debut. Let's get going. Let's go win basketball games.
5: So again, Denver tomorrow night, Andy. No Philly, back. To,
4: Philly on Thursday. No back
5: to back for Denver. Then you got Philly on Thursday. No back-to-back for Philly. You have a back-to-back Friday with Phoenix. It's the second game with Phoenix in, what, six days or five days. And Phoenix is not on a back-to-back while while you are. So, yes, you're back at home. But, boy, these are three very formidable uh, teams that you're playing here. And none of them are on a back-to-back in any of these games. So, very important when you look at the – it's still very jumbled in the East. I mean, the Pacers are, what, a game out from being the sixth seed. But this is an important time where – you, you need to build a little cushion head into the All-Star break. And, you know, trade deadline-wise, it's, what, two and a half weeks away. And for anybody that watched the game last night, Buddy Healed absolutely, again, roasted on the defensive end of the floor. Is that something that you look to, expiring contracts? You know you brought up Jairus Walker. I mean, he got in the game before OB Toppin. Yes, he did. That was something yes, that, he did. That, that caught my eye. And I thought Ben Shepard, I know it might not show up in the box score as much. I thought Shepard gave them some decent minutes last night. So if there is certainly a positive, I think, exiting... Uh, A loss of Phoenix, it was that both rookies, who haven't really played consistent roles at all this season, of course, uh, both of them showed out. Certainly we will get to Purdue and Indiana as well from the weekend. For the Boilermakers, it was one of the finer weeks you're going to have to win two Big Ten road games, to win two Big Ten road games by double digits. And again, I've said it with uh, with Halliburton now for several months. I will continue to say it was Zach Eadie. Just do not take the numbers for granted. It's stupid video game-like. What Edie continues to do, uh, and he did it not only in Bloomington, of course, last Tuesday, but in Iowa City on Saturday as well. Purdue's got Michigan coming up tomorrow night. Nothing for Indiana until Saturday. That's probably a good thing for all parties involved. (laughs) Thank goodness. After uh, the 20th straight loss (laughs) Thank goodness there's
4: not a Tuesday game against somebody that we have to talk about. CJ Gunn getting kicked out of the game. We'll play the Don Fisher sound. He's embarrassed for the team. What a mess in Bloomington. Greg Doyle oh.
5: at 8 o'clock. Good Monday morning to you. Again, the commute in far different than what we had to deal with yesterday. It was a breeze. Thank you for, for starting the week with us. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Swinney Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Thanks for tuning in to the Wake Up Call right here on 93.5107.5. The Fan.
4: All right, so let's start last night in Phoenix. Pacers fall to the Suns 117-110. That's your final. Pacers now twenty. 20- Four and nineteen on the year. Two and four on this road trip. Obviously, one of the big conversation pieces. Pascal Siakam, fifteen point seven rebounds, four assists last night. Rick Carlisle post game talking about the new player, kind of things they're go- going to be able to do with Siakam now. Finally with the team,
7: he's a very resourceful, adaptable player i can just i can see that we'll be able to put him on a lot of different guys uh, a lot of different positions you know he started on booker in this game uh ended up moving to duran and to other guys you know offensively we've got to get him more acquainted with some of the stuff we're doing and we're gonna have to add some new stuff that's you know uh makes sense for his special abilities studying that stuff now but there's you know there's everything to like about him really
4: yeah, Kevin Durant, 40 points in the win for Phoenix. Up next for the Pacers hosting the Nuggets. That's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. You can hear it right here on the face. Yeah, and really from the weekend, Friday was the big dud when Halliburton and Siakam both played
5: to lose to the Trailblazers, swept by a team that is, what, 12 wins on the year? I think that's right, for Portland. Uh, very disappointing on that end. We did not see Halliburton last night. Injury maintenance, what Rick Carlisle caught it, uh, called it, coming off that hamstring injury. Um, So certainly something to keep an eye on. It is a big, big week for the Pacers homestand. That includes Denver, Philly, and again, Phoenix coming up on Friday. All right. From this past weekend, the divisional round of the playoffs, we saw home teams take care of business in three of the four. Boy, how about that Packers finish? I mean, I I know Mark Dighton had (laughs) to be thrilled by the Jordan Love, Brett Favre reenactment there. Uh, But that was a game that if you're a 49ers fan for moments there, not only do you lose Debo Samuel, but, hell, Andy, I mean, you're down late in that game. I mean, they had to come up with a big drive. Uh, They get it done, though. So coming up on Sunday in the NFC Championship, that will be the second game. 49ers as a touchdown favorite over the Fighting Dan Campbells. And then at 3 o'clock from Baltimore, it will be the Ravens as a slight favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. Six straight year for
4: Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs in the AFC title. It's just ridiculous. I mean, six straight years in the conference championship game is in ridiculous. A defined by parity. And this and this team is not. I mean, this is easily the worst team that they have had. I mean, I know the defense is good. I actually thought their wideouts made a few plays yesterday. Well, you know, they sat Kadarius Tony. I know he was injured. Well, <laughs> convenient injury. I mean, they benched Kadarius Tony. In in this game, going into this game, it's unbelievable. Good I'm good reason for them on that. I'm good end. for them. Two touchdowns. Kelsey's doing his thing. Do you see the reports that Kelsey they're, they're thinking he may retire at the end of the year? Do you
5: well, see well, that? Well, at, at one point, Romo dropped brother-in-law for Jason Kelsey in the suite.
6: There, I think that's like the second or third time he keeps saying that they're married. I know someone's probably got to get Tony him. Romo not being good at his job is not breaking news. Though. No, that was a game that Romo you get stinks. the five lead changes
5: through the first three quarters, and then all of a, all of a sudden the fourth quarter is just kind of this. I don't know if dud of an ending is too harsh because you did have some very, like, entertaining plays from the fumble through the end zone, the fake punt. Uh, How about the one Buffalo fumble that they got back on there? I mean, if they come back and win that game, uh, Dalton Kincaid and Spencer Brown maybe would cover that that fumble. But it ends late with the missed field goal by Tyler Bass. And really, I just think that Buffalo drive stalling out and not getting into the end zone was the difference in That one. All right, uh, heading back to college basketball over the weekend. Let's start with Friday night 91 79 loss for the Indiana Hoosiers to Wisconsin. No Khalil Ware in that game. First half, extremely ugly uh, for the Hoosiers. That is now 20 straight losses in Madison. CJ Gunn gets the heave ho. I did see <laughs> Indiana leads college basketball in flagrant fouls this year, so. You know, maybe next to 87 banner or next to a uh, you know Big Ten title banner. I think there's a couple
4: of those up there. You could put that at the end of the year. What do you want to do about Indiana the rest of the year, KB? I'm asking. What do you want to do? I saw the, the women got a year.
8: big win in Mackey <laughs> yesterday. I'm,
4: I'm just wondering. Like, <laughs> they have what do, do numbers, it sounds like. like uh, there you Moran's go. Like, what do we do with Indiana the rest of the season? Because it's obviously over, right? Like there's there's no there's no magical run to this. It's just going to fizzle out. This is the way it's going to be, and we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, Indiana losers. what Purdue eighty four seventy. Then you were you were in the house. Where were you se- Where were you seated for Butler? What were we two seventeen s? Yeah, section okay, two seventeen
5: for the dogs. Good win there over DePaul. Just needed uh, DePaul's terrible. Uh, you can't afford to lose that one. Butler's got Nova coming up. They're doing a checkered out. No, are they? Saturday afternoon. We might have Thad Mod on later the week. We might have a pair of tickets. Is that by by
4: section or is that by person? Yeah, yeah. It's by section, right? uh, By Uh, section there.
5: So, uh, again, Butler needs to string a few together against some quality opponents to get back in that bubble conversation there. I I do want to go back to Purdue. I mean, 84 70 over Iowa. First off, they built that lead early in the game with Edie on the bench. You know, I'm always curious about those minutes for Purdue of, okay, you know, if, when Edie's in foul trouble you know how do you kind of handle that uh but Zach Eadie finishes Saturday afternoon with 30 and 18. Andy Sweeney his last three games. 93 points, 54 <laughs> rebounds. That's pretty good, man. That's Averages pretty thinking of good. 31 and 18 for Zach Eadie. And again, road teams in the Big 10. I know that Indiana is near one of the bottom teams in the Big 10. Iowa is not horrific by any means though. And they just win Two big I mean how often do you hear from Big 10 coaches how hard it is to win on the road oh, this yeah, and that that's on the all road. you hear, right Purdue gets two road wins
4: one by 21 and the other one by 14. <laughs> I'm just stunned that I went only scored 70 points. Only hit five threes in the game. That's not very Iowa of them, right? And Fran behaved, I think, for the most part. Yeah, and I don't like that either. I didn't see, obviously, the entire game, but Fran didn't get a technical, did he? I mean, what are we doing? Come on. He's got to get angry. How you lose my double figures and at least not get one technical on the way? Come on. Uh,
5: Purdue is going to peacock it up tomorrow night. That is a 9 o'clock tip at home against, I would, they got to be the worst team in the Big Ten, right? Michigan?
4: And the kid's not
5: allowed to play in road games. Is that right? Uh, yeah.
4: Uh, is, is Doug McDonald? Is that who it was? Yeah, not allowed McDaniel, to play in those McDonald, games. McDonald,
6: <laughs> something like that. Butler's what what if he was allowed to play in Peacock exclusive games?
4: <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like the only road game he can play are the ones that matter. Purdue on Peacock. That's the one. I'll Put him, him in the game.
5: That. A butler at Georgetown tomorrow at 6.30. <laughs> Again, nothing for Indiana coming up till Illinois on Saturday.
4: Yeah, just quickly. Eagles firing their D.C. Was it Sean Desai? Is that how you yes. say it? And then your boy, uh, Mark Dyke as a new offensive coordinator. It looks like Shane Waldron spent the last three years there with the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Going to be your guy now. That's be right. your, your OC going into the future. And by future, I mean one year until Iberflus and the staff are fired. I know. And then we do
6: it this charade all <laughs> and over. And then again. they get
4: to do the exact same thing next year.
6: I mean, he revamped uh, Geno Smith's career. He brought that back from well, the dead. So we'll see go. if he does so that no for Cliff Justin Fields Or if he goes to Caleb Williams or something. What? No Cliff Kingsbury. No, maybe. I don't know. He's I'd... too attractive. That that could very well be right. It. You, know, He's, you are too handsome, he sir. Just, he just got in the building. They thought, you know
4: what, Cliff? You know, I hate to do it. You're just, it's too much. Yeah, the ladies in bu- Lincoln Park
6: too would much be sexiness
5: over you. Uh, and again, <laughs> IU women seventy four sixty eight over Purdue yesterday in Mackey. No Sydney Parish for that one, but the Hoosiers 3 pointers. They continue their dominance over Purdue. That is ten straight wins for Terry Morin's bunch over. The Boilermakers. All right, on the other side, we do have some Don Fisher audio uh, from Friday night that we will play, uh, but also on the Colts' front today. I think it's time to start looking at some mock drafts, and I think the early looks at them would have Chris Ballard nodding, not something you typically say. We'll explain more on that. And the Pascal Siakam debuts, two games for him. How do he look? Where's the fit? Big week for the Pacers upcoming. His home debut tomorrow night. Greg Doyle joins us at
4: 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, on this Monday, appreciate you guys hanging out with us in the DriveHuber.com studios. KB and Andy, wake up, call. Reminder, Greg Doyle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk a litany of items uh, to him. Obviously, uh, all the NFL from the weekend, we're talking about Pacers uh, in action, that two and four road trip, Haskell Siakam and everything else. Don Fisher frustrated with this team. We'll dive into all of that as we go today. Uh, okay, so you you kind of Kevin Bowen, uh, I won't say stole the thunder, but you're tired of the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I'm newly uh, tired of them. Uh, you're well, I've been I've been tired of them, but you're tired of them. Uh, Kelsey goes into the crowd. He is now going to be the drunk guy with no shirt on. That is going to be his calling card. And while I should like that, there's part of me that's tired of it. I'm done with it. The other thing from the weekend, and both of you are going to disagree with this. I want to be clear. Kevin, you've already said it. And so I know you're going to disagree. And even looking at Mark Dykton's Twitter feed yesterday, he is going to disagree with that. But I, I, I am going to, and I guess part of me is like fine with the Lions if they make the Super Bowl. It is a fun story, and it's somebody different, and Dan Campbell was kind of the football meathead that everyone made fun of when they made that hire. But here is what I'm tired of, and I think there will be some Colts fans around here. I mean, obviously, Indiana, I mean, if you're an IU basketball fan, it's what, 1987? Since you last won a national title, I don't need to even get into that on the Purdue side. But now I'm being told how much I have to love the Detroit Lions fan base. Oh, they've been through so much. Oh, I just... I. You got to feel great for this old man who's in attendance for the Detroit Lions. So my weekend, uh, while I enjoyed the NFL, I was old and crotchety as it pertains to the Kelsey brothers and how they're just now going to take over my TV screen for the next 20 years, shirtless, one of them married to Taylor Swift, the other an offensive lineman. And now now I have to like the Detroit Fan base, it's like, well, now I want a Super Bowl. I'm a very selfish person. <laughs> Well, i,
6: I you're, you're not to, a, you're break an break news fan you, 1987.
4: But, but the New York Giants couldn't
5: be more of a stratosphere away from the Super Bowl right now. That's so. what well, I know. That's Giants what I'm angst. saying. Either you Th- exactly. cheer for somebody now or you just be an old curmudgeon and sit <laughs> on your couch.
4: You. There we go. Well, I guess I'm picking the second one. I hate to do it, but nah, to be scolded, oh, you got to love, you got to love what this Detroit fans but have been that through. But is fandom? Ah. To me, that is ah. sports fandom. I, I
5: absolutely love the fact that. Mark, Here you they are, hate it. getting their chance, getting their opportunity. And, and honestly, Mark, probably of anybody, being an NFC North fan, should be the one that, I guess, has any sort of hatred <laughs> towards no. the Lions. The Lions have not bothered
2: anyone
6: <laughs> right. in the NFL oh, for years. They, they've been through it. They've they been, deserve They've been their laughing moment. stock. They went 0-16 at one point. They've had players retire in their prime because they wanted to get out of that organization. No, I, I, I picked with my head the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I'm going with my heart. I want the Lions to go all the way because I I feel for that franchise, that fan base. I'm very excited for them. (laughs) Couldn't be happier. Dan Campbell is a dude that I would run through a wall for if he came in here right now. That's
4: my problem.
5: I like Campbell. I do want to get into. I don't know if we'll do it today, but I've thought this a lot over the last couple of weeks. The what-if scenario with Dan Campbell. I mean, he could have been the Colts head coach. I, I don't know if a ton of fans kind of recall how all of that played out. Maybe we'll go over that tomorrow, but Uh, There's definitely a what-if scenario with Campbell. One thing I've always been impressed, too, with Campbell is I remember when he brought the Lions here. It probably was his first year, maybe his second year, for joint practices up at Grand Park. And the Colts had been on a little bit of a run. I think it was maybe the Browns with Freddie Kitchens and maybe even the Ravens with Harbaugh where, like, the joint practices had just gotten kind of dysfunctional. You know, they had, you know, fights galore. Oh, it was and, fights
4: all the time, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Freddy Kitchen. I remember
5: for a couple of days leading into those Lions joint practices, I was like, all right, here comes the biting kneecappers <laughs> of Dan Campbell. Like, there's going to be fights galore. <laughs> and I know this might sound weird to some people, but, like, it was one of the more well behaved, very, like, constructively productive joint sessions, and I've seen a lot of them over the years, and not many of them follow that script, and it was kind of my first impression of Campbell in person. I'm like, damn, you know, yeah, I mean, he is the tough-looking dude, tough-sounding dude, and all of that, but it's not like he's, you know, whatever, having a bunch of just wild maniacs out there that have no discipline whatsoever. I think when you watch their team, you see a lot of elements to it, and every time I watch the Lions, I continue to be impressed with their level of aggressiveness, and go back to that fourth and goal call that we talked about earlier, that was three minutes ago in the third quarter of a tie game, you hadn't done anything on that goal line situation, I'm thinking to myself, just kick the field goal, take the lead, and you know I guess trust your defense, I know Mike Evans was incredible, all game long. By the way, it's a free agent whiteout, Mike Evans. Be curious to see what the market looks like for him, if Michael Pittman Jr.'s impact in any way, shape, or form on that. Uh, but, yeah, the the aggression from the Fighting Campbells. I love it. So you can cheer for the 49ers. Mark I don't want I I to cheer for the them
4: either. I thought the Packers choked that game away. I thought they gagged the game away. I don't, I don't believe in the Niners at all. I think the Lions – listen, I don't mind saying it. I think the Lions go in. I think the Lions win the game. I think they walk into San Francisco and win that game on Sunday. I really do. I think the Lions are going to be in the Super Bowl. Debo Samuel injury. Yeah, X-rays came back negative. Is that negative. a big reason why oh, that, you're, a,
5: that you're going there? Because no, they are a.
4: To- if you look at the stats, uh, it's they not are a totally, totally different, different team, team
5: with or without him.
4: No, I just listen. I, I think I think the uh, I think the Lions will get to Purdy. I think he'll have a substandard game. I think you are the Debo Samuel injury. I, I mean, the Niners were lucky. To, to get that win against Green Bay on Saturday night. They were. I mean, Green Bay's probably kicking themselves, more than kicking themselves, uh, over how that game played out. Missed field goal, how the game ended with the interception, and about 10 other plays uh, in between. So it was quite the weekend. Uh, Baker Mayfield had a nice game. I'll ask you the same thing I did on Friday. What do you do contractually with Baker Mayfield oh, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah. yeah, what, what yeah. does that look He's like, He's on the though? right to come back. No, but I'm saying, what does that look like? Is that three years, $100 million? Yeah. I, think it, it's a, I mean, Is it something like that? It'd be 33, you know, change a year.
5: Yeah, I think it's a couple years. You know, I I even remember when Baker had the you know, that chaotic week with the Rams. Like it didn't look awful with them. Uh, and obviously there were moments with Cleveland. I mean, think about it. There was that playoff game at Arrowhead, Andy, where I mean, they almost won that that playoff right. game with Baker starting. So it's not like it's been, you know, this isn't this isn't Sam Darnold, I guess. What I mean, Baker has had some moments in the NFL. Where maybe it's not been first overall pick, but it's certainly been serviceable starter, and and, and that probably is too negative of a term to even use. I'd say better than that. And also, it's not like they have it's not like Kyle Trask has been groomed and waiting as the backup, or they have this top 10, top 15 pick waiting for them. So, again, those games coming up on Sunday, three o'clock. It'll be Baltimore and Kansas City. A slight favorite there, the Ravens in that one. A big, big second half on the ground for them. Uh, Lamar Jackson had some MVP moments in that second half. And then, uh, obviously, the NFC title game, 49ers and Lions. Shameless plug, Andy, for the website right now. I've done my first mock draft look here for the Colts. Uh, so this is pretty much, you gather up you a know, handful of mock drafts. I do this every couple of weeks. Oh, no, you should be doing this. This is great. As yeah. we start it's to get cheat closer cheat. to the NFL draft. And really the big, I think, first event of the offseason is about to happen. This will be next week in Mobile. It'll be the Senior Bowl. And I think our listeners or followers of the Colts will certainly realize Chris Ballard is a huge Senior Bowl advocate. I would say routinely, you know, in what, 10, 11-man draft classes, hell, I'd say probably half of them are products of the Senior Bowl. He is a huge, huge uh, believer in that event, guys that perform well there. Um, So that's something, of course, to keep an eye on. So I looked at six mock drafts, all right? And I look at the names slotted to the Colts at number fifteen and the positions slotted to the Colts at number fifteen and think this really fits a lot of what Ballard said a couple weeks ago. Okay. At the season ending presser. And in the years that I've done this, a lot of times you get the national pundits, and I feel like they don't have a great pulse on exactly what the Colts' needs are. And whatever. It's 32 teams. I'm not acting like they should be speaking gospel on the Colts. But if you look at it right here, they've got three corners going to the Colts of the six that I looked at two wide receivers and then probably the name that will attract the most attention on it they do have Brock Bowers the tight end out of Georgia maybe calling him a tight end is unfair you know a lot of people just hey he's just a weapon flat out and Shane Sykin would be foaming at the mouth to get a player like that but think back to what Ballard said Andy three corners two wide outs and a tight end. So if you just want to boil it down to three pass catchers and three corners, he often mentioned in that presser a few weeks ago, we need to get more explosive mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Three pass catchers and three corners in different levels of explosiveness, one trying to create them, the other's trying to limit them.
4: This kind of checks out. Let me ask you guys this other years, how, how, how are the mock drafts lined up to what Ballard has done? I would say not very well. Okay, especially... that's how I feel as well in the early portions of the offseason. Sure. Well, I mean, you still don't have you know you know the the new season doesn't start until March, so you still have all these free agents. Yeah, you're going to go through Pittman's injury. You're going to impact yeah, this hugely. A hundred percent. Yeah, Michael Pittman doesn't come back, then someone like a Keon Coleman or a Brian Thomas or someone like that. That's the other wide receiver there. Brian Thomas is uh, at LSU. Do you view corner? Well, this highly, I, I I think I do for them. I could understand why you would say no to that, but I, I think I do. My question is, and I had this written down. It's interesting. You bring this up and then you wrote about it on the website. My question for everybody, I think is, what do you think about Brock Bowers? At yeah, yeah. Th- to me mm-hmm. that's that's the number one question. If you go with the, you know, if you go with Kool Aid McKinstry, for people that don't know, uh, he's one of the corners, uh, obviously there at Alabama. And the thing to know is whether it's Senior Bowl, we know how. You guys listen in Indianapolis, we know how the combine works. There is going to be guys that go to the combine that absolutely blow up in a good way, and guys that blow up in a bad way. You're going to have injuries to some of these prospects. You're going to have an off the field issue to. some somebody here uh, who's going to be taken pretty high. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. For me, the question I have is, what do you think about Brock Bowers? Uh, and and like, does he does he get to 15? If he's still there at 12 or 13, is that someone the Ballard would want to make sure that he goes up and gets? Is it no? We're going to sit Pat at 15, and whoever comes our way, whether it's you know that second tier of wide receiver, whether it's the end of the first, perhaps second tier of cornerbacks, where are we going to go to me? And there's about, a better chance of you starting for the well, Giants I, next I, year I, than Chris Ballard trading up, up, by the way. I, listen, I'm with you. I, I I think it, to me it starts with what do you think about Bowers I, in, I would, in all of these, and that's would, what I'm trying to sort through. Yeah, I,
5: I'd be all in on it. I, I, I think he's such a unique player. I get that the tight end history at that position is not necessarily one where you need to be spending high first round picks uh, on them and get the benefit of that. I mean, hell, look at some of the tight ends we're going to see this coming weekend. Whether it's Mark Andrews, whether it's you know George Kittle, I mean, these guys were not high draft picks. Um, I know Sam Laporta was taken relatively high, but I I just think that Bowers is is, is different, and I think if that's kind of you, know, you could make the argument, Andy. Again, I still think you need to go out and find a wideout. But right now, if you ask Colts fans, they'd probably feel better about their wideout group than their tight end group. So if you really want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, you know, if you get a Bowers and you re-sign Pittman, and all of a sudden Alec Pierce is starting to be more of a weapon with Anthony Richardson's big arm, do you do you have a little bit more than maybe it looks like on paper right now? So I would be a fan of Bowers at 15 because I just think he's a weapon. I, I think maybe labeling him as just a tight end would be unfair to that end. Uh, the other question, though, is I do not view corner on the same level as the other positions, and I get that the, the corners and the secondary were a big issue for the Colts this past season, but – at some point, you've got to rank these things. They can't all just be on one tier. And the scarcity of edge rushers, the one position we don't see here, and the early mock draft look is a bit concerning to me, if I'm going to be totally honest. But again, I would go a little edge rusher probably at the top, wide out very close to being second, and again, wide out pass catcher if you want to label it a little bit more accurately. But at corner, it's a need, but it's not as high as the other two because I kind of look at Juju Brents, Jalen Jones, and I guess Dallas Flowers. I hate to bank on guys coming off a torn Achilles. Well, what
4: about Kenny Moore too? Again, we don't right. know what's going to happen with Kenny I guess I'm Moore. A, it's a big bit deal. more outside corner sure, than sure. I am,
5: kind of nickel slot. I kind of look at those three and think, all right, Juju, Jalen Jones, Dallas Flowers. Those three, can you find at least one answer? Maybe a half of an answer. And does one and a half kind of get you by for the time being? And then again, maybe you draft a corner in what, round three or something like that, so you still give that group another reinforcement. Uh, but that those were kind of my early impressions exiting this first mock draft look. Your question, is Bowers there at 15? Is that too high for a tight end? And I say that in quotes. And then secondly, uh, does Chris Ballard view corner in the same light as the other needs? I I, I do not, uh, but that's just me speaking on my own opinion.
4: I wish I I, I wish I knew more about Brian Thomas out of LSU. I he think he's going to be a hot name. He's 6'3", 6'4". I mean, he's a he's big dude. He's the tall, dude. lanky yeah. guy. Malik yeah, Neighbors
5: I, more of the explosive LSU wideout.
4: Right. I mean, he's just... Uh, yeah, Brian Thomas, is just... you Brian know, Thomas at, fits probably more of the Colts' height mold yeah, for I mean, what they like. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'4", 210. I mean, he's a big guy. I had 17 touchdowns this past year. I mean, that, that LSU... You know, LSU was one of those teams that scored a bunch of points... And we're a fun team to watch, but I feel like with your boy, uh, who's your boy over there, the head coach Brian Kelly? I just feel like no one watched LSU nearly family. as much. <laughs> I watched that over the weekend, by the way, my family. What was he trying to do there? I still have no idea what he was He's trying, trying to get some gumbo. To do. He's
5: trying to get some gumbo. Listen, from I'm the all, season, I'm take all about one Beny, and he
4: started talking like that. All uh-huh. right, they have to do. You would agree that they have to do something at tight end in the off season. Whether it's Brock Bowers or you know Jelani Woods comes back, but even then, you have to get something free agent-wise, someone in the draft that you feel good about. You can't go into next year probably selling us Will Mallory.
5: Again, the Senior Bowl starts <laughs> in a week. No tight ends of free agents, so anything they would do, you would, would think be in the would be adding yeah. to that group. You ever I mean, been I to guess- the
4: Senior Bowl before? Oh, you would love not, that. You no. can go down to the Super uh, Senior Bowl. No. Or it's at
5: Birmingham, isn't it? Is that uh, where it's Mobile, at? Right? Mobile. Mobile yeah. Oh yeah. Am I m I I don't think Mobile Alabama has <laughs> ever been very high on the old wish list. <laughs> I'm sure they have an Applebee's there. By the way, did you see Lane Kiffin had his first Bucky's experience yesterday? I, I did
4: see that. Oh, did he? I did that. He tweeted about that. His other tweet, uh, Lane Kiffin had the Bucky's tweet, and then he retweeted an Ohio State guy. Did you see this? Ohio State? No, they're getting everybody. Ohio State's getting everybody.
5: Did I see that they spent thirteen million on NIL? That's
4: what Lane Kiffin retweeted. That Ohio State has spent thirteen million on on NIL, and all I could think of was. Poor Kirk Signetti up at 3 a.m. with his binders <laughs> talking to us in the morning. Brother, you better get some more recruits in there. Did Lou so Holtz contribute Ohio State, anything
5: baby? to the $13 million there for the Buckeyes? I, I don't
4: think he did. Uh, speaking of IU, let's play this. Again, Greg Doyle going to join us here at the top of the hour. We should play this just because uh, it is both kind of funny and kind of sad. So, CJ Gunn on Friday night got tossed from the game for the, we call it the, the little chicken elbow up to the, up yeah. to the face of the uh, Got the wing a little too high, <laughs> a Wisconsin player, and of course Indiana lost that game. That was 91-79. Wisconsin guy kind of nuzzled
5: into CJ Gunn. I he thought did, at he first, did. Too. There's some
4: nuzzling going on. Uh, so CJ Gunn tossed from the game. They went to break. This is on Learfield over on our sister station WIBC, uh, and they come back from break. Don Fisher unhappy with the Hoosiers.
8: And I have never said this before in my 51 years behind the microphone at Indiana University, but I am embarrassed for this false call. Uh, right and now, not, not because of the story.
4: <laughs> how is this the team, out of all the teams that he has seen, good or bad, how is this the team that's breaking Don Fisher, the Hall of Famer, 51 years behind the microphone? It's this team that's breaking him. How? Well,
5: I, I say this in all seriousness because, you know, I mentioned the stat earlier, and I kind of joked about it. I, I saw something that they lead college basketball in flagrant fouls. <laughs> I—, I Based off that comment by Don, it's a little bit more of off the court or or not necessarily, you know, play. Not just basketball-wise, bricking, right? You know, 3 point right. after three-pointer or free-throw after free-throw there. um Yeah, I, I think embarrassment is probably a fair word to use, and I would say more overall. Like, I, I thought about it watching that game Friday night. Andy, I can't even recall us having, like, a one-to-two-game stretch where we're like, man, Indiana's starting to play some better basketball. Right. Like, I mean, remember the first half of the, or the first game oh, of the yeah. season? Florida Gulf Coast with oh, their they, best player. They, not they barely playing, won games. Army, and they a bunch barely of won. Games. Then yeah. they play Army, who was like 357th yeah. in college basketball, and they're like down late in that game. Like, again, a, a nice 40 minutes against Ohio State at home, but then, you know, that was quickly followed up by a poor performance. It's like, they just have not even had a fleeting moment or two. You, I'm like, every team usually has like a two or three game sequence where you're like, all right, here we go, okay, I see some life. I see some, you know,
4: right lineup combinations,
5: and Indiana hasn't even sniffed that this
4: season. Everything has been, they've been so disappointing, are they going to make the tournament? It's all been big picture sadness. Yes. It yep. hasn't. That's yep. all it's
5: been. Sad, pathetic, embarrassing, however you want to describe it. Don Fisher using that word, embarrassing. Uh, very accurate. Uh, nothing for Indiana, mercifully, until Saturday. It'll be Illinois for them, a road game at the other Assembly Hall coming up.
9: All right, Greg Doyle, he joins us now. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your health care provider about Kisimta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
4: Yeah, pretty good commute this morning. I think, we, I think uh, all of us here on the show made it in pretty easy. It's good. Last week was not the case. It's supposed to rain, but get a little warmer this week. Up into the 40s and 50s, KB and I will be wearing shorts uh, in, the, in the studio on Wednesday if it gets uh, to the 50s. Look so, like Jason Kelsey. Yeah, so that, so that we'll have our shirts off. That would be a lot of fun uh, as well. Obviously, talking Pacers, back in action tomorrow night 2 and 4 on the road trip. We have our Final Four set championship weekend coming up in the NFL. Tons of college basketball. So, loaded on on this morning, Greg Doyle joining us here uh, on. Now oh, we just lost Greg. All right, so we'll get him here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, tons of things we were talking during the break. Where to lead off with Greg? We can go anywhere. Where I was going to lead off, and we'll get him here. Is you know he's a he's a storyline guy, being a columnist. I'm interested which storyline between the Ravens and Chiefs and Lions and Niners uh, he likes the most. Probably Detroit. But Greg, uh, back on the line. Greg Doyle joining us here from the Indy Star. Greg, good morning, sir. Thanks for joining. Us. how are you uh,
8: i'm good i'm sorry for hanging up on you uh, if you want the truth i've been dealing with a sinus infection Ugh. for five weeks i know a lot of people out there are dealing with all kinds of stuff worse than this and i'm the kind of person that if you ask a question i'll give you an answer and <clears throat> i'm trying to cough on you here
4: Oh, well, that's okay, man. I know it's hard to shake those things. I'm sure the weather being three below hasn't uh, hasn't helped clear that up. But Greg joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I was saying when we were reconnecting with you, you know, Chiefs, Ravens, Lions, and Niners, you're a guy that enjoys a good story. Which of these storylines uh, interests you the most, and which storyline would you like to see in the Super
8: Bowl in a couple weeks? I want to see the quarterback-y guy get a, t- get a Super Bowl. I-, I want Lamar Jackson to win one. I, I don't like... Uh... And if it wasn't him, I was hoping for Josh Allen, but he's out. I, I don't like it when when we do this to great greatness. We did it and I'm not a Jim Beheim guy. In fact, Google me and Beheim and we had a moment once, but I didn't like it when Beheim was and Roy Williams too. Until they win one, they're ripped because you haven't won one. It's just not that easy and, and it's a roll the dice some anyway, I don't like it. Like if Painter's getting it now in the final four, I don't like undervaluing greatness because The the one or two games that have to go their way over the course of 300 don't. So I would like to see Lamar Jackson win a Super Bowl and just shut everybody up for once. Like two MVPs is not enough. That's not enough? Then go win one, Lamar.
5: He's Greg Doyle. He's from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Greg, I want to go back, and hopefully you can kind of take us, uh, I guess, behind your eyes, if you will, uh, back to Indiana-Purdue last Tuesday night and the column that you wrote there in regards to Zach Eady and what you kind of saw at the end of the game. And, and feel free to take it wherever, whether you want to go down the Eady route and Purdue or if you want to go down the Indiana route. But for those that maybe have missed your column, uh, I thought that was a pretty unique scene that you kind of painted uh, for all of us on Tuesday night.
8: Yeah, thank you. Uh, really, thank you. I, covering an IU Purdue game is is tough. You know, I make it tough for me. You know, my job's fun, but I make it tough because I want to honor both schools, both fan bases. I want everybody to want to read the story, and I'm aware that you know the headline says one team lost. Well, those readers aren't going to want to read. So I'm always debating in my head, what do I do? How do I go about this? How do I give both schools you know fair attention in one story when one of them won by 20? And I'm, those are my thoughts as I'm walking down from the media seating I have comes to the crowd and then truth is uh, i anticipated smuggliness but not this one so i I thought you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go walk over there to the uh iu tunnel where they leave and i just want to see if if woodson or xavier johnson is treated poorly and that that's so. i was over there just you know maybe that happens and if it does i'm gonna write about that because that's not appropriate it didn't happen um and i'm turning to leave Uh, you know okay let's go to the media room and I hear this one guy, and the, and the arena is not empty, empty, but after having 17,000 people in there, it might as well be empty. You know, everybody's filing out. I hear one guy just taunting Zach Eady mercilessly. And he, he had some lines in there that I didn't say, like, you're going to be a Walmart greeter, Eady, and, and you suck. And, and I'm watching this just thinking, well, that's, you're an idiot. But it keeps going. And I'm watching Eady do a live TV interview at midcourt, and I see him wave at the guy and smile. Like, he can hear him. The guy's 15 rows up in the corner behind a basket. So I don't know how many feet that away from Edie is. I'm going to guess 150 feet away, 100 feet. Edie's hearing him, smiling at him, and waving at him. The guy's that obnoxious. And the four people around this guy, there's two two women and two guys. They're obviously in a group. They're all giggling and chuckling, like, this is funny. You know, this is what Twitter does. Twitter, this is what social media does. It teaches people, conditions people, that if I can be mean to somebody and I get a few likes out of this or a few retweets or a few, a few of my bros tell me way to go, then that's worth it. So I just I walk that way, not not necessarily think I'm gonna write about it, but maybe, and I start talking to him about it, and and he's not repentant at all, even when I'm saying, you know, he goes, he sucks, We had 33 points, he's terribly at 14 rebounds, he's a joke. Uh, Did you look at the scoreboard? Like it's, i actually started to taunt him, like there's a scoreboard up there, do you see that? And then he gives me a name, and it's clearly not his name, and he thinks he's so smart, he's smirking at me. I realize that's not the name you get, that's not your name. I look it up, and it's not. Um, I got an email a couple of days ago. If that guy's listening, I hope you're scared. I got an email. I know your name now. I know it. Um, so I, every time I go to assembly hall and when I say every time, Kevin, I mean, every effing time I'm going to go look for him and I'm going to go tell him his name right to his face and then see what happens. And, uh, and if he does anything, if he does anything that I think is worthy of a story, uh, he'll be in the paper the next day with his, with his name. And I know what it looks like too. I got a mug shot. Are we, um, are we
5: close at all to talking about Mike Woodson's future?
8: uh well yes, because not not necessarily because this season isn't going the way people want it to go, you know in a vacuum, we don't live in a vacuum, and I don't write in a vacuum, but in a vacuum, you know Trace Jackson Davis leaves one of the statistically one of the greatest i mean I just never mind one of the best players of all time in this great program, he's gone, a few others are gone. I think there's one starter back from last year, I believe it's one, maybe two. So we could look at this and say, uh, you know, this is going to happen. Give him some time. But, but you know, the, the way it's happening, and and the way it's happening with misbehaving or lack of composure, I guess is a better word, by players. Just and the, the things he's allowing and tolerating, um, it's it got the fan base angry. And then you you factor that by this fan base doesn't do patience. It just doesn't. It hasn't. You would think after 30 years, after post night that the fan base would be conditioned to patience. They're not. They, they, they're not patient at all. And so th- this is one of those deals, and, and this happens all over the country, where the tail the tail does wag the dog. The dog is IU. The tail is the fan base. And the fan base, if they decide they're done with you, they're done with you. And they were done with cream and, and it might have been time to go, but they were done with him. They were so done with him, if you remember, IU would not play a home game in the NIT because they didn't want their coach to get booed on national TV. That's why they got rid of him. And they were done with Archie Miller, and they should have been. But anyway, they're they're getting done with Mike Woodson. And when that happens, it's like, you know, there's a tidal wave coming. And Scott Dolson and IU, they, they try and stop it but it's, it's bigger than them.
4: How do you handicap, though? You know, I lived in Louisville, uh, and Greg Doyle with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline, and they got, listen, they got in bed with family. They hired Kenny Payne, and Kenny Payne's been a disaster, and Mike Woodson has not been Kenny Payne. He has obviously been much better than that, but you're still in business with family. How do you know, once I throw that into the equation, now what? Because, you know, things can get sensitive, and they can get sensitive pretty quick.
8: Yeah, for sure. And, and and by the way, and I realize my last my last answer could be interpreted, and maybe it's my fault, as I think he's going to be fired after this year. I didn't mean that. I, I was answering Kevin's question. Are we? I, your question was something along the lines of, are, are we at the point where? What would you ask me?
5: Uh, when do we start talking about Mike Woodson's future?
8: That okay. There we're, we're there. We're there now. The future doesn't mean today. It doesn't mean tomorrow. And I actually wrote this after the Rutgers game, and I. I regret the way I wrote it because I wasn't clear enough. And people at IU saw what I wrote and they weren't happy about it. And I don't blame them. And I told them, I, you know, I got that part wrong. Not, not wrong wrong, but I worded it poorly. What I wrote was, this is the kind of loss, something like, this is the kind of loss, the, the key words were, it starts the clock ticking on his tenure. And when I wrote that, in my head, what I meant was not, not tick, 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 he's fired in March. What I meant was, What I meant was, I should have written this. There are two kinds of coaches, really, in college basketball or anywhere. There's the kind of coaches that leave when they want to, and they're the kind of coaches that leave when they're told to leave. That's what I meant. And Woodson is becoming the kind of coach that won't get to pick his exit. You know, he'll leave when they tell him to leave, and so, which means the clock is ticking. It's not. It's no longer. It's not. It's not in his control anymore. But I didn't mean then, and I don't mean right now. He'll be fired in March. What I mean is the fan base is getting loud, and I don't mean that the the. And I'm not backtracking. I'm trying to be, be more clear. The tidal wave's coming. I don't think it, the pressure builds up. I don't think the weight of it builds up that they would ever fire an alum, Mike Woodson, after three years. I don't think he's going to get fired after year three. I don't, you you don't do that to Mike Woodson. You don't. Uh, but but the clock is ticking. Is that a long range talk clock? Is it a stopwatch? I don't know. But the clock is ticking.
4: Greg Doyle with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline, Indy Star. You can check out all of his stuff. Always a, a a fantastic read. On the other end, you know, KB and I were talking about this, Greg. You know, this week, ho hum. You know, two road Big Ten wins. Zach Eady, what what was it? Uh, the last three games, KB, what was it? Thirty 31 and eighteen. and
7: eighteen.
4: Thirty-one and eighteen. The last three games, whether it be Purdue or Eady, I know they've had the issues in March, but boy, Greg, we need to make sure we're not taking it for granted what we're. Seeing Seen with this team, and specifically the greatness we're seeing with Zach Eady,
8: right? But but we sort of are. Uh, we, we sort of are because and, and Purdue is sort of they've sort of done that to us. You know, they they keep losing, and they don't just lose. And I love Matt Painter, but they don't just lose, lose in the Sweet Sixteen. It's been rounds one and two, and and mainly one. And you know, just like I was saying, IU fans ought to be conditioned to be patient, but they're not. Purdue fans, and, and just in general, college basketball fans are kind of conditioned to think. What you're doing right now is great, Purdue, but we need to see more. And that's that's the way it used to be with Gonzaga. Gonzaga was okay. Gonzaga, great. You won 30 games. You're gonna you're, you know get get to the elite eight or, or be quiet. So Purdue is reaching that point, and so and which makes it. And I tried I try to enjoy it when I'm. I mean, I do enjoy it when I watch it, and I, and I wrote about it, and I try to write about it. As in, you know, I'm watching something that I'm I'm not gonna see this again. I'm just not, and I'm not gonna take this for granted. But at the same time, let's acknowledge that this this team, this program will not be judged by what it does December to February. It's going to be mid, late, even early March, even early April. But we're watching something that we're not We're not going to see. We're, we're never again going to see, and I want you to go back and Google. We're never going to see this again. I, I, um, I'm i wrong a lot, but four years ago, when the first time I laid eyes on Zach Woody, Edie, and, and, and you know we were just starting to learn a story. Okay, you played hockey, ba- baseball. You've been playing basketball for about six months, whatever. And he was scoring 14 points in 13 minutes. And not, not looking like this, but still looking unstoppable. I wrote that we don't know what his ceiling, we've never seen anything like this. We don't even know what he's going to be, because we've never seen a guy this big, this raw, and yet this good, this early. We have no idea what he's going to be in four years. Had you told me four years ago when I wrote that story, he's going to be a two-time National Player of the Year, I'd have said, that's kind of what I'm getting at here, is that we've never seen anything like this, and we'll never see it again, so let's please enjoy it.
5: He is Greg Doyle. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obviously, you read his work. Over at the Indianapolis Star in yesterday's paper, it was a column on Jim Irsay and right now the health issues for the owner and how the Colts as a franchise need to handle things moving forward. Greg, I'm curious what I don't know. It's probably an obvious answer, but like what was maybe the tipping point in getting you to write a column that I don't want to speak for yourself, but I'm sure you've obviously put a lot of thought in, in something along those lines even prior to you know maybe what's unfolded here over the last month, month and a half.
8: I appreciate that sensitive question because um, it, it, I, I didn't want to touch this. I didn't want to write about it. Uh, I just, I don't know what there is to say. There's a guy battling addiction and it's terrifying and frightening and, and, and devastating and all that. But, but I think for me, the tipping point came when, when Chris Ballard said he's in stable condition. And I hate to put that on Ballard, but he, you know, he just, he, we asked him at his, you were there, Kevin, we asked him at his end of your press conference, you know, how is Mister. Ursay? And he said he's in stable condition. I heard that and thought, okay, yeah, this is different. The quote it, stood what, out. It,
4: uh, the quote stood out, Greg. It did.
8: Well, yeah, because uh, stable. You know, if someone is stable, sometimes is good. You know, if somebody is uh, has you know almost died in a car crash and three weeks later they're in stable, that's a great update. If a guy was uh, and we didn't even know about the overdose yet. Actually, the overdose news of December eighth came out a few days after Ballard. I think. But we knew he had an upper respiratory. We knew he'd been told that. We knew he'd been kind of disappeared from the from view, which is not like Jim Merce. And all of a sudden, he's stable? As I wrote in the story, is that supposed to be comforting? Consider me uncomfortable. And then a couple of days later, the, the, the news of the of the uh, overdose, Carmel police think he was an overdose. You know, we don't know. But Carmel police labeled it a suspected overdose. So that news came out. And, and at that point, I'm almost ashamed that I haven't written about it yet. Because, you know, just like you guys talking about it, there are certain things that are so big, in this market, if you have a job like you guys have, you have a job like I have, you can't just say, boy, that's touchy. I'm going to leave that one alone. So you have to go after it. And and now knowing what I know, or at least hearing what I hear, and I guess you're going to ask me a question here in a minute, but knowing what I know or believing what I believe, I wish I hadn't written as much as I wrote. Because what I wrote was it's time for him to you know, pass the team on to his kids. It's time for him to pass the team on his kids for a couple of reasons. One is he clearly, by his own words, he's been fighting addiction and has been into rehab 15 times by his own word, at least. So, what he's doing, which is running the Colts and fighting his addiction, it, it's not working. And I'm not talking about the Colts. I'm not saying, look at the Colts' record. No, no, it's not working for him. He needs to, if I can lecture an adult for a minute, he needs to give up control of the team, back away, and just get, you know, get your sober and get it, get fat, get, get okay if you can. Recover. And I wrote that. And then I wrote also, and also, while you're at it, you know, get the, get the, um, the transmission of this team going to your daughters because what we don't want to have happen is if you've been rehab 15 times, at least, if you've had two now suspected overdoses where they've had to revive you from death, that means you can't take a day for granted at all. Get this progression handled from you to your kids, because if it goes into probate, all bets are off. All bets are off for everybody. And that includes our city, just because you don't know. We don't know that guy's lived an interesting life. Okay. We don't know. What he, what how he's lived. We don't know what who he knows. We don't know, you know. We just don't know. And and Jim Ursay himself fought this when he if you're if you guys well you don't remember I don't remember but I, I just know this Robert Ursay when he died 30 years ago, you know he wanted the team to be passed on to his son Jim. Well wasn't that easy because Robert's wife Jim's stepmom fought it and they had to go to court. So and we we'll, we will never know. Thank God we'll never know if she had won. What happened to the Colts if she had won control? Are they still here 30 years later? We'll never know. We'll never know. So I wish I hadn't written um, that much about it because it just feels like, seems like it's even worse than, I I mean, you guys are hearing the same things I'm hearing, I'm sure. And and you don't, you know, the thing is you don't know what's a rumor. Yeah. You don't know what's real. I'm worried about him, Greg. Right. I'm worried about him. I'm terrified for him. And it's like, I I don't, let's put it this way. I don't, as far as sources, on this story, there's really only, I mean, as far as sources, you believe scale of one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, 10, the highest would be, you know, or himself or, or someone in his family, if they told you something, you believe that hundred percent, some, an email you get, and I've gotten a million of them. That's a one or even a zero. Doesn't mean anything to me, but I've heard from two people in the last couple of days that haven't, have not told me, have not said to me, this is how he is. What they've said to me is expressed, they're almost mourning right now, and it just scares me. Like you said, Kevin, it's, it's it's scaring me. What is going on here? How bad how bad is he? And I wish I hadn't talked about you know stepping away from the Colts because I I I think that's almost the least of our problems right now.
5: Yeah, I don't want to be too insensitive, Greg, and immediately transition to like okay, uh, you know what down the road whenever this comes, what would the franchise look like underneath the daughters? But I. I I will ask you that. Again, I apologize for the insensitive nature that that might seem. But I don't know if you've ever got the impression of – I I guess I'll, I'll speak for myself. I've never got the impression that all of a sudden – uh, whenever this passing of the franchise happens, that boom, the owners or the daughters would sell it tomorrow and just say, yeah, the inheritance tax is this. And, you know, oh, my gosh, look at all this generational wealth for all of our children and future grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. We are going to you know, wipe our hands of it and move on. Look at how much NFL franchises sell for nowadays. I've never gotten that impression, if any. And to be fair, it's not like we've gotten a whole lot of insight on that, I think. Uh, but have you ever got an impression from what you think life is? After Jim Mercer, say what the Colts would look like.
8: No, no, but I have I have an opinion on it, and the opinion is his daughters, um, two of them for sure, and I don't know I don't know. Um, let's see, I know Carly a little bit. I know Kaylin, um, Casey. Is it Casey? Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know her at, at all. Yeah. At and, all,
5: and she's the least involved of the three.
8: Okay, that'd be why. But two of them are very involved, and I mean no disrespect. I'm just saying I don't know. But the two of them are very involved. Carly, Carly's involved to the point where I'm sure you've seen her, Kevin, at at Grand Park. She's walking around the field with a notebook. She's taking notes.
5: Yeah, she's in every she, practice. Yeah,
8: yeah, mm-hmm. every practice. Right. She's and then and then Kalen's involved in in her own way and, and big ways, including the kicking the stigma that she's the one behind that. So what I'm saying is. These are not hands-off daughters. These these are not hand. I don't think they're people that just want to be done with this franchise and first chance they get to make four billion dollars split three ways, they're going to do that. I don't see that. Uh, they're, they're kids. However many of them have kids, I, I know. Uh, you know, well obviously they attend schools in this area, but I know which one they've attended. And they they're, they're it, my point is they're putting on roots. Like the girls could have lived anywhere. They're putting down roots. They know what their dad wanted. They know what the name or say how it's associated with the Colts. And yes, Robert left. Baltimore 30 something years ago, J- Jim and not Robert. He- he's just not. He's not the, you know, his dad was, had his own, it has his own things. And Jim, Jim's heart is enormous. And, and maybe Robert's was too. But before social media and whatnot, no one really knew what he was all about. We know what Jim's about. He wants it to be here. His daughters know that. I think it'll be here. But I also know that you just don't know. You just don't know. You don't, you, you, you literally don't know uh, what no, none of us have been. I mean, look at the live golf tour. You know, people that have, John Rahm was loyal to the PGA Tour and has more money than he'll ever spend. Generational wealth just about. And yet I think he just took a huge payoff to go to the live. You just don't know what happens when people get offered four or five billion dollars. I can't even imagine what that would feel like.
4: Greg Doyle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He writes for the Indianapolis Star columnist there, IndieStar.com. Uh, I guess no good way to transition. I know you've written about this you know, recently, so I'll ask you. Just two games down now. Pascal Siakam traded to the Pacers. I know you're a fan of it. What does it do for expectations this year, Greg, in your mind? And just overall as a franchise, what does it signify that they were, you know, able to go out there, take a big swing, get an all-star? Back and hopefully you sign them this offseason?
8: Yeah, I, I I think what it does is it puts them one player away. And with you talk about perfect timing, you know the All Star break is coming here, and so the world's best players, whether thirty, forty of them are on rosters, or the next forty or fifty are just here to watch it. They're all going to be here, and they're all going to see downtown Indy, and downtown downtown Indy at a moment like this. Is there's nothing better? There's now you could argue about downtown Indy in June, you know I, I don't know, but right now they're going to see they're going to see this city, this fan base at its absolute best. And I, it's going to be hard for somebody for everybody. It's going to be hard for everybody to turn down the Pacers going forward. Most of them are obviously, but all you need is one. It's going to be really hard because they're going to see what's happening here. They're going to they, apparently the league itself loves Tyrese. And you watch him play, and he plays with his joy. It's like magic. He plays with joy like Magic Johnson. You know, he just loves what he's doing, and you can see it on his face. And people want to play with guys like that, especially because they pass the ball. So the expectations for me going forward are rather large. You know, top four seed in the East next year, I hope for sure. This year, my only hesitation is, and I've seen they've lost a couple games already. My hesitation is, I remember what happened with the Miami Heat when they got the big three. Um, 15 years ago or so that their first 10 or 12 games, they were under 500. It takes a while to get going. And then they, they caught their, their wind. And then by the end of the year, they're one of the best teams in the league. The Pacers don't really have that luxury. You know, they're already in the middle of it and they're going to try to introduce the And it's not as jarring as three guys, but still it's, he, he becomes your number one offensive option just about, or at least he should be. How Burton always is the balls in his hands, but as far as he's a point guard, he wants someone else to just, you know, do the heavy lifting. Pascal's going to become that guy. And that's hard to do in real time. So I I don't know what I expect this year. I'd like him to win a first-round series. How about that? Now, I would really like to see that. But going forward, I think the, the bar gets set higher next year.
5: Greg, hope that sinus infection finally subsides for you. Hope Cap is hanging in there in this cold weather. And uh, as always, we greatly appreciate the time here on this Monday morning. So thank you.
8: You're so nice. Thank you for having us. Bye. The-
5: that is Greg Doyle there on the Payless Liquors hotline again. His latest at the Indianapolis Star. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just echo what I said to Greg for those that might have missed it. Um, again, updates are going to be scarce on the Jim Merce front, but I'm very worried, Andy. You know, very worried. Um, thinking about him, thinking about his family, of course. Um, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just it it it, it sucks, frankly. Um, well, well,
4: can I ask you something on this? Because again, I, his His health is number one. I want to be clear with that. Right, 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 The The only reason I bring this up is the reason it's being talked about is, you know, Jim Mercer is one of those owners that you feel like, I mean, listen, go back to the Jonathan Taylor stuff. Jonathan Taylor going on Ursay's bus, right? Uh, out at training camp. And, you know, him being very vocal when it comes to signings and when it comes to roster construction. It's not that he doesn't let Ballard in the football people do his job. He does, but he also doesn't disappear, right? He also doesn't disappear to the background. That's my read of the situation. I mean, coming up here in a month and a half, you do have free agency starting in the NFL. Two weeks ago, the Colts played the biggest game in that stadium in nine years. In nine
5: years. And for Jim Mersey not to have been seen. I know. I know. I, I I cannot stress enough like how telling that was for me personally. And just like what what? Jim I mean, Jim Irsay's not like other owners. He is there. He is there in a very, very you know, present well, he's, way he's, tw- he's tweeting out, it. he's seen yeah, yeah, I mean, every, all those things. Know, every post game yeah. locker room has sure. him. You know, you get videos from him at games, all of that stuff, and um, so yes, we'll certainly continue to keep you updated on that end. But uh, thinking about him, thinking about his family here. Um, all right, uh, coming up in a bit, we'll give our goats from the weekend. Uh, before that, uh, let's go to a morning checkdown.
7: We
4: All right, one 117-110. that's your final last night. Suns over the Pacers. Pacers dropped to twenty four and nineteen on the season, just two and four on this road trip. Boy, we came in here Friday after that Sacramento win feeling pretty good. Two losses this weekend to Phoenix last night. Rick Carlisle post game on the loss.
7: You know, we had chances down the stretch defensively. It's just awfully hard to stop their death lineup they have with him at five and two other all stars and two other guys that can really shoot the ball and make Plays. I was disappointed with the result, but not the effort. I thought the effort was very good, and our guys off the bench did a nice job. Walker was ready. Uh, didn't play in Portland. You know, uh, was ready tonight. Shepard did a good job. Um, those guys, you know, have been toiling in the background, and uh, this was another opportunity for them. And they were both. Um, pluses in the game, so that's that's good to see.
5: Yeah, I'd certainly agree with Rick on what you got from the rookies. I think there's a lot of different Pacers angles we can get into here even today. Um, I want to go back to Friday night, though. That was the loss that, you know, you don't usually say there are bad losses on a road trip and the second night of a back-to-back, it might be a bit unfair to call any loss a bad one, but you get swept by Portland in the season, and your bench was really terrible. Matherin, uh, very bad on Friday. and he, he wasn't great yesterday by any means. He was 10th in minutes yesterday. 10th yeah, in minutes. And, and he deserved to be 10th, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. But, Andy, the Pacers outscored the Trailblazers on Friday night from behind the arc, 60-12. to 60-12, to 12, the Pacers outscored the Trailblazers from behind the arc, and they lost the, the basketball game. You know how hard that is to do.
4: The Pacers shot forty-seven threes. Portland they, shot twelve. Pacers hit <laughs> That's twenty a threes. Stat.
5: Portland hit four. It's and a terrible they loss. They just got dominated. It's A terrible in loss. The They're seven and twelve at home as Portland. Sixty-six to twenty-six. And again, with how jumbled the East is, you look at the upcoming schedule this week. Halliburton doesn't play last night. Again, I think there's a lot of different areas we can go with the Pacers. So we'll certainly carve out some time for that here. Upcoming, the defending champs tomorrow night for Pascal Siakam. <laughs> Home debut. All right, yesterday, or I guess this weekend, in the NFL playoffs, how about the Purdue guy, Derek Barnes, clinching it there for the Detroit Lions uh, with his first career interception of uh, Baker Mayfield. The Lions are going to the NFC title game. Andy hates the Lions, though. He made that very clear (laughs) earlier today. Uh, They will be a touchdown (laughs) underdog against the 49ers. That's too much. And then we will get the Ravens and Chiefs coming up. On Sunday at 3 o'clock, the early line on that one, Ravens a slight favorite. Uh, I, I am not one that looks at the Tyler Bass miss field goal and think it's Scott Norwood 2.0. Uh, I The whole drive, I'm thinking to myself, they need a bleed clock and they need to score a touchdown. I, I was not thinking field goal at all. I go, if you settle for a field goal, <laughs> get ready to have Mahomes, Kelsey, Butker, stab you in the back. I thought, it was, a, I
4: thought it was a good call. Exactly yeah, well, that's that how I that's how I thought they were going to lose was, okay, you're going to give Mahomes this much time to go down the field uh, and win the game. I will say, though, and now I feel like I should have tweeted this out so people don't think I'm just, you know, a raging liar. I text a buddy on Bass's, on the first possession of the game, the Bills go down and they score and they kick a field goal. If you go watch that, Bass's field goal the field goal just barely kind of sneaks in right and you know he hit it pretty hard and he got it up there and I think that's what he was trying to do was to get it through the wind well, he, he was trying one extra point well yeah he as was well. trying to, he was trying to kick maybe too hard. I mean here's me giving advice to a professional NFL field goal kicker but Are on you that Jay fir- Feely right on now the, on that first one I thought man I, I go that that's shaky little little did I know you know three hours later he would be one of the goats he's not my go to the weekend. my go to the weekend Mark Dighton will love. I'll just leave it at that as a tease. Oh, you like right. that? Mark okay. you will love right. Mike go to the weekend. Jordan Love? Crack one of these beers do open do before <laughs> you do that. Has nothing to do with Jordan Love. What did I get you, by the way? I got you Sun King. Was it Wee Mac. Uh, yeah. i a oh,
6: Four-pack of Mac. I'm excited. Yeah, there you go. I always love having a Mac at an Indians game. Looking forward oh, to that oh, here coming up. Better. Although
5: I look outside right now and think that's not happening anytime soon. All right, uh, college basketball from this past weekend. We mentioned it to Greg Doyle. Zach Eadie's dominance continues. A uh, 14-point victory for Purdue in Iowa City. But Think about this weekend for Purdue. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. I know Indiana's going to be the butt of a lot of jokes right now with how they've played, but for a Big Ten team to go on the road, get two wins in a week, speaks for itself. How about a 21-point win over your rival and then a 14-point win over, I mean, I think Iowa's a tournament team. Uh, certainly they aren't in the basement of the Big Ten. Uh, extremely impressive by Purdue. They actually built that league kind of in the first half without Edie and then... Certainly held it and expanded expanded it with him on the floor. Purdue is back in action tomorrow night. That is 9 o'clock against Michigan back inside of Mackey. Indiana went to Madison, and it usually unfolds the way it did unfold Friday night. In Madison, they give up 91. C.J. Gunn gets ejected. Don Fisher disgusted. Uh, Cleo Ware didn't play. Um, I, I assume the ankle will be all right. They've got a week off, but... Uh, they'll play Illinois coming up this weekend. Uh, and Butler gets a needed win at home over one of the worst teams I've seen. That would be DePaul. DePaul hey, and has three wins on the year.
4: And you were there. Look I at was. you. Yep. Uh, Signing out to your Bowen.
5: Trying to get Max Bowen on Simba Cam. They oh, kept I'll on showing too. Barry Collier with the grandson. I guess the <laughs> AD and the grandson or granddaughter. I, I, I couldn't get a close look. That probably. Takes
6: precedent. But yeah, you should have Hink- yelled at Cameron. Do you know who I am? Pull <laughs> the Jake query Yeah, yeah I don't like that. Decided I not like to on that in. But Hink came
5: over and tried to play peekaboo with Max. Max really wasn't okay. having it, but
6: great effort by Hink. Should have yelled up Max Bowen's Colts prediction record. I should that would've done it. I know. I would have put him over, over the top. To Butler Nova, by the way, coming up this Saturday. We'll give away a pair of tickets
5: here later in the week. This is
4: probably something next year we'll be able to do, but does Max Bowen and I don't know, you guys are probably looking at me like I'm an idiot. I don't know. Again, we have a four month old and I know nothing I know nothing about kids. Everything I've learned about kids has been in this in these four months, okay? So I'm being honest. When you take Max there. He doesn't, you don't have to pay to get him in,
6: right? You can sit him on your lap and he's good to go. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, I All don't right. know,
5: Mark, you can speak to it better. Probably most sporting events, what, two and under? Free? Yeah.
6: Yep. Okay. Same with like flights and everything like All that. Right. You can have the lap child and mm-hmm. take advantage because once they pass that two year <laughs> threshold, the uh, the costs start racking yeah. up. Yeah, I think No more free Disney World, no more free I'm flights. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> how
5: much for Rosie Bowen to probably sit on oh. my lap for 90% of oh. this? Yeah. Event well, that's,
4: that's what I thought, because I want to take him out to some stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I don't want to pay, you know, $15. But Butler game's perfect, because, you know, you've
5: uh, got, perfect, you've got yeah. a little track up top, or however you want to call it, where, you know, kids can run around. Oh, sure.
4: And, yeah, Rosie and Max
6: both had a great time. Right, so. You so, good. could skirt those rules, too, because no one's checking birth certificates right out of the gate. So people no, a little smaller. Right, checking exactly like birth certificates
5: yeah. a little different than, yeah. you know, yeah. the yeah. Butler yeah. ticket holders. Sure. plus yeah. just fun, kids' <laughs> ID. <laughs> fun time at Inkle on Saturday. Shout out to the IU women. That's now 10 in a row over Purdue. Uh, they get it done without Sidney Parrish. 15 threes for Terry Moran's bunch there as uh, IU gets the road win. All right, coming up on the other side, we go hand out our goats from the weekend. Also, more Pacers chatter. The de- debuts, plural, of Pascal Siakam, Tyrese Halbert, return to the lineup for one game. Uh, we'll unpack a little bit more on the Pacers front as well. Thanks for tuning in to the wake up call here on a Monday, 935107 107.
9: Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta, ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at Kisimta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
3: Five.
4: our goats of the weekend coming up here in just a second can I ask you something Kevin Bowen can I ask you I'm uh, all right into I just need to ask you guys this real quick why has it been like almost two weeks and Bill Belichick hasn't been hired in at the Atlanta Falcons? Like, why did just hire Bill Belichick? Oh, it
5: seems like the Falcons. Did I see a Hardball uh, Harbaugh interview?
4: Yeah, I mean, everyone's high. I mean, I know they've they've interviewed coordinators, and there might be coordinate like so, what Slowick, you know, he's now available uh out of the Houston Texans. Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, you're gonna have to continue Aaron to win. But, but I'm sitting here saying, if the Atlanta wanted to hire Bill Belichick, hire Bill Belichick. It's been almost two weeks now. Who's the better hire? Doing?
5: Harbaugh or Belichick? Harbaugh. Maybe they want I, Harbaugh.
4: Maybe they do want Harbaugh. We'll go hire Jim Harbaugh then. Let's go. So we mean, let's haven't get it done. really
5: had anything out of the building, right? We've had two filled and Gerard Mayo and Antonio Pierce. Yeah. Antonio Pierce was Friday. I don't know if that happened. I think that happened just after our show. So Antonio Pierce take the interim tag off of him. So that leaves. The Other, what six so far, and it seems like based surprising, off is it not? Nick Sirianni reportedly firing his defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, will not be back. Um, it seems like this is where we're at, like, we will not get any more that'll trickle out here. So, uh, I'm trying to think of the openings that we still have. We've got Titans,
4: Commanders, Panthers, Falcons. Seahawks, Chargers? Yeah, that's what we have. And then two names just to watch. I know there was some scuttle this weekend. Uh, would Jim Bob Cooter potentially be someone who would fit the OC job there in Philadelphia? Uh, you know, they're trying to go back to, to... stop there. Well, yeah. And, you know, hey, they were so good was Philly with Shane Steichen. And he would call uh, the plays, he, which he's yeah, not doing exactly. here. Exactly. He would call the plays, probably be a raise, and he's been with Shane Steichen. So you would get some of that magic, you would hope. So that's a name... That's been thrown out there, and then I also—I don't know if it was Ian Rappaport was throwing out there. You know, if Rabel doesn't get a job, would Vrabel go be the DC for Bill Belichick uh, in Atlanta for potentially Wouldn't a year? Take the year off? Well, I mean, yeah, you can, you, you can, well, you could be a DC with your boy Belichick. You can go do some television, make a few hundred thousand dollars probably uh, with some Rabel, television. Harbaugh
5: so. who's the best hire of those three?
4: Uh, to me, it's still Harbaugh. I mean, prime of his career. Uh, builds a program. Um, I, I feel like he's going to win. If you got five years with Harbaugh, I feel like you would be in the postseason three or four out of those years, and I feel like one or two of those times you would make a deep run. You would have a chance, right? Don't you feel that way with Belichick? I'm just, I'm just not sure anymore about him because he's done so much losing post Brady and the quarterback position so bad in Atlanta he has not proven that he can fix the quarterback position in fact quite literally he's failed in New England the last three years doing so is Atlanta the only place we've heard with him am I missing something I mean that's the only one Harbaugh's taken you know a visit at what three places now so I I don't know and I don't know what I feel about Antonio Pierce I I guess it's you know the the thing I care about the least is, and this happens in college athletics a lot, is uh, the players want a guy to be the coach. That doesn't mean that he should be the coach. I guess that's a little bit how I feel about Antonio Pierce, Max Crosby. Uh, he may leave if uh, he's not the head coach. Like, okay, let's Sl- see. If different he will. public
5: reaction to the Raiders and Antonio Pierce versus the Colts players and Jeff Saturday.
4: Uh, yes. <laughs> Again, I don't think you always need to follow uh, the the players on these sorts of things, but we shall see. All right, let's dive into it. Our goats, good and bad, our goats of the week. Let's hit the open.
0: I That's why he's the goat. The goat. Or goat. Oh. 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 This guy sucks of the week.
4: Of the week, the good goat, the bad goat. Where do you want to start? I'll let you guys choose. You want to do the the warm and fuzzy? Oh, you you were saying you've got one that'll
5: make Mark Dykman right, well, happy. Yeah, let's go there. So I feel like there. You go okay, there. I've okay, got so, a
4: nerd one. Okay, so oh, that's the shock. it's the negative goat of the week. It's the small goat of the week, and Mark's gonna totally buy this. Uh, so yesterday, I'm watching some NFL football, the New York Jets tweet out, maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't human, and it's a video. Of Aaron Rod, do you know where I'm going, Mark? No. Okay, it's a video of Aaron Rodgers, but you don't see him teeing off. You hear his buddies. Aaron Rodgers got a hole in one, and the video that the Jets put out there was somebody teeing off. Again, I couldn't see Aaron Rodgers at all swing the golf club, and then. It cut. It was an edit, Mark. It cut to them to Aaron Rodgers on the green, walking towards the hole and picking up the ball. Whoa! Are and you going an Aaron Rodgers conspiracy theory I don't here? Think, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. No one believes in Aaron Rodgers got a hole in one, especially
6: me. So you don't? Even, wow. So you think it's just a blatant <laughs> lie? I hundred percent, Mark. Look, you got to look. I, this I'm looking up. at the video now. Yeah, there's no evidence of him actually swinging club. He's just walking, but walking on like the path. The cart path with, like, his hands over his head.
5: Now, this was pre-cell phone, pre-iPhone, I probably should mention, but my brother had a friend that would literally take a camcorder out of the golf bag, and every time he would get on a par three, yeah, like, he'd, the he'd camcorder have it out. would yeah. be set up so everyone... <laughs> That's would great. witness that, and it was like an
4: old school camcorder oh, yeah, 100%. too. 100. I love that. I, I, I love I, it. I, I adore so that. That's a great Rogers story. line well, here, wow. I,
5: I'm saying there might be some McAfee listeners listen, that would disagree with listen, you. Listen, I'm saying
4: we need to get to the bottom of it. That's what I'm saying. If I got a hole in one, that's not how I would edit that video, Mark. You you see it? Like yeah. when they get to the green, it's like, okay, Aaron, now start walking towards the hole. I don't know. The whole The whole thing is it, it no. smells of a setup. He did it for the views, did it for the likes. I did I, it for I, something. I don't know.
6: So Jet's is that trying to be good relevant. goat or negative no, that, goat? That's my negative okay. goat. The Jets <laughs> trying to be relevant in January. Yeah. Yeah. No. Jets, yeah, leave I'm us with, alone. I'm with Andy. I yeah, yeah, figured you would be. I don't uh, buy it.
5: My, my, I guess, while we go down the negative path here, my negative one comes from Friday. I know it impacted a lot of people. I was texting Tony East and Jake Arthur about it. A little nervous for both of them. But the layoffs at Sports Illustrated, I, I don't know about you, Andy, oh, yeah. but honestly, I, mean, yeah. I know. I know without sports illustrated i'm not even sure if i'm doing this for a living like it was that impactful for me growing up it was a sprint to the mailbox every thursday afternoon knowing that the you know issue was wait- and not just a sprint when it was the swimming issue either um or the swimsuit issue i should probably clarify did your
4: mom take the swimsuit issue from you at any point i think there's some moments uh, okay. i was
5: like wow did i
4: not get it this yeah. week <laughs> well, that, that's, you know that, that happened that, to like, me. Like,
5: what happened to what happened to this mom they skip six nine four carson <laughs> court um <laughs> but I have all the I have really all the covers from I think it's 2000 like 2012 still um just so many iconic images and reading Rick Riley on a you know weekly basis was always one of my favorite things doing growing up so I hate it for the industry that kind of speaks for itself um, but also just the fan in me it, it was so rooted in everything that Sports Illustrated was for me as a young very impressionable. A human and sports fan, so absolutely hated to see that. Yeah, I think uh, the I, I think week. the
4: star did uh, you know uh, covers that related to Indiana, whether it be Hoosiers or Purdue, or obviously the Colts have had several. The Pacers, Reggie Miller, you can think of a couple already. I think the Indy Star did a good thing, but I, I don't even know, I, I don't even know what's left, what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of any of, of that. The, like, it what's lacks happening? A lot of
5: clarity, and I was talking you know, because. Tony again writes for SI.com covering the Pacers, Jake Arthur for the Colts, and they both were kind of unsure as well. So again, I don't think it's like the entire company or, you know, things like that, but certainly there were um, some significant amount of layoffs there. So
6: hated to see that. Uh, My bad is people not using their listening skills Uh, during the bills chiefs game. There was a sideline report from Tracy Wolfson saying Willie Gay, who's been spying Josh Allen is out with a neck injury. And then people who were not listening. Well, just heard Josh Allen neck injury and started taking the social media, freaking out what he's injured. He's out for the game. This is horrible for the bills. My brother was one of them. I was like, what what are you talking about? Josh Allen's right there. He has two rushing touchdowns. What are you talking about? And, And it was just clearly, yes. Was it worded poorly? Yes, it was Tracy Wolfson. It was not, it was not worded properly, but Willie Gay was injured. Not Josh Allen. He was very much not injured at all, and he played the whole game. But people not losing using their listening skills, and it wasn't just one person; it was all over social media. What Josh Allen's out? No, people, just just rewind ten seconds, and you would have heard him properly. By the
5: way, I I know because Buffalo lost, we won't focus on this. But how about the Allen touchdown to Khalil Shakir, the third and goal? Oh yeah, when he rolled to his left across his body, they just gotten two penalties that seemingly knocked him out of realistic touchdown range, like. He just – there's one or two of those plays every single game that you're just in awe of, obviously. They don't advance, so he won't focus on it. But, damn, that was quite impressive by Josh Allen.
4: They don't mind, uh, you know, running Josh Allen. He puts his head down, no. doesn't he? No, no, no. He puts his head down. They don't have those conversations with the quarterback running like we've had here. Uh, I guess, I guess. listen, my big go to the week, and I've taken them to task, it's, it's – listen, it's Jimmy Cook and his Kansas City Chiefs. I, I mean, to me, no one had more pressure than the Buffalo Bills – this 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 game Sunday this off season like to me that's how I viewed it I could be wrong you could say well it's the Lions this is their magical moment understandable Lamar Jackson needs to prove this this and that you know before the other night he was one in three in the postseason I get all those things but to me the Buffalo Bills had the most play. they had the, they they finally had the game at home they had the great the crazy stadium they had the snow and the people shoveling and this is not an all-time great chiefs team and the chiefs walk in there uh and they win and and to me this era of buffalo bill like the bills are going to need to retool that's just the way I view it. So that's, I, that's a kind of loss. Do you loss. have two negative goats? No, that's my positive. It's the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs. Okay, yeah, it's the Chiefs. I, baby. you were, you you were the enough. Bills, and no, I was well, like, wait a minute it, it here. Ended them. It ended them. like to me. They they have to do full retooling. I mean, like, do we want Stephon Diggs, <laughs> I mean, like, Diggs here? I'm asking. Stephon Diggs. Didn't didn't. Uh Sure. That's a topic. Show? Why but, would the Bills get rid of him? I mean, they don't use him. Well, I, he has had a hundred yard game since the Giants back two weeks I think before the Thanksgiving.
5: Injury was was a big one there. That was a them. good that
4: veered into
6: negative land. Ugh, I feel like.
5: Yeah, that was a little bit of everything on that one. Uh, I'm going nerd. I'm going the winner of the PJ Tour event. That would be uh, who's a sophomore that? at Alabama. He would be Nick <laughs> Dunlop. Ooh, the twenty year old. Uh, he becomes the first amateur to win on the PJ Tour since Phil Mickelson. And that's the guy. Pretty decorated resume. Won the U.S. Junior Am. Won the U.S. Am. Uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, one of the very few people that have ever done that. But this is part of the reason why I love golf. The meritocracy of the PJ Tour that still is clinging uh, by it. Uh, here he is going up against Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, two very accomplished golfers in the final round. A big up and down on 18 to secure the one-shot <laughs> victory. Uh, I was uh, watching this with my brother. Ryan had it on his phone here. Uh, so it was you know, NFL on the TV. Ryan Bowen with the PJ Tour event on his phone. Absolutely loved seeing that. Uh, and it's why part of why I uh, love the P.J. Tour in golf.
6: <laughs> Only Kevin Bowen could go P.J. golf on NFL Divisional what Weekend. What was the guy's name again? Nick Dun-
4: Dunlap. Okay, Mick Dunlap. Nick, so I need Nick, to Nick, 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 Nick. So I need to start like paying attention. In a couple years, you might see this guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, this the Masters. is not like
5: that. I mean, obviously, it's an incredible accomplishment, what he did. But it's not like that out of the blue. He's a very, oh, very sure, decorated. Oh, sure,
4: I just don't follow it. Junior you follow it. So well, right,
5: if you follow well, go.
6: college golf, then we would well, have some issues. <laughs> golf season starts at Augusta for me. That's when golf season starts.
5: You got Torrey Pines Wednesday through Saturday in primetime this golf week, Golf season
6: starts at Augusta for me. <laughs> you got any good one for yes Yes. Uh, the Packers losing in the playoffs. Oh, uh, Packers yeah. fans may mock Bears fans. I was getting it left and right after the game when final. Uh, all the Bears aren't in the postseason. Your team sinks. The problem is Bears fans know this already. We're yeah. fully aware of that. Yeah. You're not breaking news to us, Packers fans. The bar is very low when it comes to Bears success. success. Uh, for the Packers and their fans... They get their hopes up every year. We're making the playoffs. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. And what happens? The rug gets pulled out from under them, (laughs) usually by the 49ers who've had their numbers the last couple of years. Is Jordan Love pretty good? Yeah. But you've also had Brett Favre, and you have Aaron Rodgers, and you've got two Super Bowls to show for it. So stick it, Packers fans. I think one of the sadder...
5: (laughs) I think one of the sadder states of fandom have been shared by each of you in the last couple of weeks. They, they really have. You guys have celebrated the Packers and uh-huh. the Cowboys losing. Oh. Like literally your respective teams have
4: won the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, but yeah, but here's the thing. The Packers Mark's like, you've only won two. The Cowboys, it's been it's been thirty years, brother. It's been thirty
6: years since Jimmy Johnson. The Packers are the uh Cowboys of the NFC North. They're, they look pretty good on the record. They get to the playoffs and they go down their leg. Yeah, I mean, to Andy's point, the
5: Cowboys would, would cut <laughs> off limbs to have what the Packers have gotten here over the last couple of decades. All right, plenty of Pacers conversations still to get to. We'll uh, have a pop quiz as well. Good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the wake-up call here on 93.5175, The Fan.
9: All right, coming up, top of the app. Al- Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta
4: or Pascal Siakam two games uh, in his back pocket if you will with the Pacers we'll dive into some of that did you guys happen to see the random lions fan that was with Bill's mafia uh tailgating and he got uh, suplex I don't know the exact Oh, I did see that. And uh, he—they basically his ass was on fire, his backside was on fire, and uh, he was sliding on the ice. And really, nobody was helping him. Everyone just had their phones. When you hang out with mafia, (laughs) uh,
5: if your ass is on fire, that should be the least of your worries. Oh
4: man, I think that's almost required. And then hang out with them. And then something's got to be on fire. And then the other thing, the camera is a great job by CBS. They found the crying fan in Buffalo. When the field goal missed and the game was he, over. He wasn't crying. He was weeping. He was weeping. Uncontrollably. Do you
5: want to be that guy? Wow. Well, I it, always feel bad for the Villanova <laughs> clarinet player. Remember her? <laughs>
6: oh, mm. Of course I remember her. That is a tough look going in the office now, on Monday. she became like, yeah, yeah, she became like an icon.
5: Well, that's know? what I'm saying. But see, I think in Buffalo, Mark, he comes in the office on Monday and they all embrace him. Like he's yeah. part of them. I mean, he is. He's an adopted mafia member if he wasn't already now.
4: See, it's difficult. You can become a meme, which could be good or bad. Uh, people could put their arms around you, or there's the other segment of the country that's laughing at you and making fun of you. It's a difficult position. Do you want to be the man or woman crying on CBS, Fox, or ESPN after a, I mean, to what was the bills, an absolute devastating loss for them.
5: The sniffles and the clarinet, a, though, gets me every time. Uh,
6: there's a sad cake waiting for <laughs> Mike at the office today. <laughs>
5: We are with you, Mike.
6: (laughs) We're with you, Mike. Uh, Adam Schefter says
5: 49ers consider it 50-50 on Debo Samuel coming up Sunday night. I I love the Lions plus the number. This is a huge, huge injury. I think a lot of people realize what Debo Samuel means to 49ers. If you look at the numbers, though, it is staggering what they've been like with versus without. I mean, hell, they almost lost without him over the final couple quarters on a Saturday night. All right, a lot of Pacers conversation to get to on the other side. Pascal Siakam's debut and a very nice night for the rookies amidst last night's loss. We'll do that next.
4: All right, 9 o'clock hour on this Monday. Appreciate you guys waking up with us. If you miss any of our conversations, we also had Greg Doyle on in the 8 o'clock hour. You can check those out at 1075thefan.com. And as always, broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studio. I know that wasn't Eminem. Obviously, the little hip-hop open that Mark had. Uh, did Eminem do – I missed this. Did he do anything around the game
5: I did uh, t- yesterday, Lines yeah, wise We were kind of scrambling around. Right around kickoff, and I was hoping to catch it, but I didn't see anything unless okay. I missed something. I, yeah. I assume no, I didn't saw see it either
4: on social media. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just making sure. I'm just seeing He's what Detroit's
5: up to. You know, the 49ers do the boombox oh, entrance, yeah. right? Can oh, we get him yeah. maybe to lead the Lions out of the visiting <laughs> tunnel coming
6: up on Sunday night? It does look like he was there. I'm looking at a thing right now, and he was there in, in another Lions shirt at like the third quarter or something. So he was there. So it was well, of course he was there. Oh, everybody. Yeah, it was Peyton. I mean, everybody I else there. I saw was there, but there's quite a bit of people there. Or Peyton was saying on the
5: Manicast, uh there late in the year that Marshall and him go to one playoff game a year. So they picked
4: Lions-Bucks. <laughs> That's the one. Okay. okay. Hey. I like that. I- I'm good with that. Uh, okay, so Pacers, uh, we want to do Pacer conversation here. Two games under their belt with Pascal Siakam. Um, I found you know something interesting that Greg Doyle told us in the eight o'clock hour. He's like, you know, it's going to take some time. You're trying to get them going middle of the season. He brought up the Miami Heat when they did the big three. You know, it took them a minute uh, out of the gate. This is obviously middle of the season, not out of the gate. A uh, two and four on the road trip. Really, we're good with the road trip outside of that Portland game. I, I mean, outside of that Portland game. Uh, you know they—that's a game he's got to win. He got to win, especially when Halliburton is back. Then he was off; wasn't a back-to-back, but was—or was it a back-to-back? Was it a back-to-back? No, it wasn't a back. It was a day in between there. Um, you know, you have Siaka now—a couple games under his belt. What have you liked? What have you—I don't I want to say not liked, but what are the early returns? And I hope to see. I hope you get the full roster coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, that's that's say, what I'm interested
5: in. I'd say what you like is again, he's a guy that you'd throw the ball to and he can he can go create and he can go get you a bucket. Uh last night the assist number had to be pretty high. I would guess 6 or 7. It for was him. 7. It was 7. Yeah, I mean and again without Halliburton, you you kind of needed some others to obviously help you out in that area and he certainly provides that. Um I thought it was really interesting and I think Phoenix kind of dictated some of this. Uh, their big guy, Nurkic, uh, was out, or was battling foul trouble, I should say. You know, both teams kind of bailed on their centers late. Uh, Durant and Siakam kind of became each team's center there. The Pacers didn't put Turner really back in the game at all in the fourth quarter there. So, again, I think from an isolation standpoint, offensively, there is a lot that you like with that. I know his point total last night wasn't super high, 15 or 16, but... Still, um, he is another option, which is obviously critical when you have Halliburton when you don't have Halliburton, uh, because teams are going to continue to try and take away Tyrese as best they can. Um, I, this isn't going to—I don't want this to come as just like a total shot at him that he can't guard anybody because I don't think that is true. Um, but you know, when the trade was made, Andy, one of the questions I threw to you and one of the reasons why I was kind of lukewarm on it was I don't think this does much, if at all, to improve your defense. And if you talk to people that watch the Raptors on a pretty night in, night out basis, you know, what was the label to us? He's a passable defender, I think, is what um, Doug Smith said to us when we had him on. You know, other people have said, you know, he's kind of lost a step as he's reaching age 30. Again, I don't think he's like a flat out liability, but this is not something, you know, again, this is not OG Ananobi. It's not OG Ananobi. Right? Right. I mean, when you exactly. look at what the Knicks have had with Ananobi, it's absurd, frankly, how well they've played with him, uh, especially him on the floor, how well they've played on the defensive end. But, Andy, I go back to this constant issue. This is pre-Siakam, and we've seen it in both games with Siakam. Go back to Friday night. Jeremy Grant. Nice player, right? Averages 20 a game for one of the worst teams in the league. Not a great, great player, but, yeah, nice player. He's got 37 against you on Friday night. What did he have earlier in the year when they well, came here that, that's and what beat I, you?
4: That's what I was going to look up, because if he had 34. Was it 34? Yep, he had 34. Wow. So,
5: Jeremy Grant's... Oh, goodness. Second and third highest scoring outputs of the season are against you. What does Durant go for last night? 40. Is Durant one of the most gifted scorers this league has ever seen? Arguably, probably the most gifted. Yes. That is still Durant's second highest point total of the season, and it's not like Durant lived at the foul line last night. I don't think he had a foul shot. So, the continued issue, Andy, of letting these bigger wings, however you want to describe Grant and, and Durant, they're probably more like power forwards, honestly, Is going to be an age old question we have with the Pacers from here on out. And that's with or without Siakam. I just don't think Siakam necessarily walks in here and helps that significantly or cures it. Um, So that is going to continue to be a question that I have for this team. Of, you know, last night specifically, you wanted to play Nemhard and Neesmith a lot because they are such, they're probably your two best defenders without Bruce Brown. Um, But they don't help you out a ton offensively, or at least as much as some others offensively. And then a guy that does help you out on offense is Buddy Heald. And if you watch the final three minutes, Phoenix was like, where's Buddy Heald? Let's get a switch and let's get him on Beal or let's get him on Devin Booker and us go to work. So again, defensive issue continues. I, I, I said it earlier, and I think it's worth mentioning again. Friday night against Portland, you outscore them from behind the arc by 48 points. You had 60 points from behind the arc. You had 23s. Portland's got 12 points from behind the arc, and you lose the game. Why do you lose the game? Because you get outscored by 40 in the paint. So that defensive question is going to continue to be there with or without Siakam.
4: Yeah, and I think this week, I I think you mentioned something uh, that's pertinent to the conversation. Well, two things. Number one this week for me you know it's a difficult week I understand that Denver's in town on Tuesday Philly on Thursday and then right on the back and back the suns come back in town you get them two times here in a week at least you get them at gamebridge like I'm I'm with you that we're to the part of the season now as we're past the halfway part we're you know approaching the trade deadline you've made a move we have the all-star game that we can see that's going to be an indie like I'm not wanting to see Kind of what this team has here. What I don't know is, and I wish he would tell us tomorrow if we have him on, which I assume we will, uh, with head coach Rick Carlisle. I'm really hoping that he gives an insight on the things that they can do with Pascal Siakam on both sides, right? Defensively, what they think they can do with him that will you know that will help the team. I understand this is a move for offense, okay? But defensively, is there somewhere where he can help you and do something that the other guys can't? And then offensively, what they do with him? I I, I think that's that's number one. Number two would be they just need to start winning some games here. They got through this tough road trip, and I think everyone was kind of easy on them they're two and four we're not happy about the portland game but it's not ah the season is falling no one's doing that song and dance but now i know there's some good teams coming up you gotta start winning some of these games because the eastern conference again you can be four and then in you know in three or four games you can be down to seven or eight and you mentioned right now if the season were to end today they'd be the seventh seed and they would play orlando and orlando has their number I mean, just stra- play-in straight playing game. Straight playing game. Straight up Orlando uh, has their number. The other thing and I know it's just two games. And by the way, I hate looking at the if you go to espn.com, they always had the Laker game, which is there for the for the in-season tournament that's always in the way when you look at their schedule. I, and I don't know worry's not the word, but you know, with this trade that they made not having first round picks which everyone is good with you know bleep the picks let's move on uh from the draft uh the draft stuff let's go get ourselves a real player and that was a lot of the re- rhetoric last week KB and I understood it and to a certain extent I agreed with it but the two pieces then that mattered like kind of like the gamble wasn't getting rid of the first round picks the gamble was Jairus Walker who by the way I think is proven. Has he not? We can ask Carlisle this tomorrow that, you know, he's earned his, uh, he's earned a part of of this rotation. If you ask me, I mean, he is a confident player right now. Is he doing everything perfectly? No, he's not. He's a confident player, but it was also Benedict Matherin. And I know you're the Matherin guy and the last two games, he hasn't done anything. Oh no, he's been awful. I mean, he has six points in the last two games. Only played 14 minutes in the Phoenix game, but kind of the, the, the point that you could move some of these assets was you wanted to keep the two crown jewels that would blossom and Jarrett. And obviously there are different parts of their career, but part of that is Benedict Matherin and if you're thinking about, Hey, uh, you know, moving a guy like buddy healed, buddy healed. I know defensively is a good, you played a bunch of minutes at 18 points the other night. So if you're, if you're not going to have him as part of the lineup, then Benedict Matherin can't have these no shows. And, and to me, I won't say it's worrisome, but the first two games that Siakam is here are the first two games that Benedict Matherin completely vanishes. Uh, and, and he I, was so good Thursday night yeah, against the Kings. I know that's what I'm saying that again win. we walked in here on Friday you beat the Kings and Mather had the 25 points and you're feeling really good about things and then you lost that over the weekend um but you know Mather, Mather needs to be more consistent you know oh, no it's, it, it's time to grow up you know they're they're relying on him he matters to their organization that they've done everything you know they have said we will get rid of future assets because we want to keep this guy and then Siakam comes in and Ben and Mather Matherin has six points in two games. Yeah, I do think organizationally they've struggled to find what is the consistent
5: usage for him, though. Like, they, they, they've they jumbled him starting lineup, bench unit. Um, now, in general, they've had to jumble starting lineups here as of late. I couldn't believe, and Chris Neri said this last night, 10th um, straight different starting lineup. You know, when we have Rick on tomorrow, it's a question I want to ask him. Like, how, many, how many times in his career I think he's gone a 10-game stretch and 10 different starting lineups throughout that Um I would say if there is certainly a positive from last night, you would point to the two rookies. Now, think about Jarrus Walker, Andy. That dude guns. I mean, he like and, and that He's comes a confident with, player. Yeah, that comes with a yeah, confidence is probably more of a politically correct <laughs> statement. You know, when you hear gun, it's like a little bit of a negative connotation with it. But yeah, he is much more of an aggressive, confident offensive player, particularly in taking jump shots than I thought he would be. Um, you like the rebound total from last night from him as well. I still think defensively, um, he, he's got to you know, kind of fine-tune some stuff. And I know it won't jump off the page, but in watching last night, I, I do like how Ben Shepard plays the game. I think Shepard is a really heady player. Um, I think he makes the right play. And I bring that up because if and when they do move Buddy Heald, you would think Shepard would be one that would get some minutes off of that. So I am kind of curious to continue to keep an eye on that. I do want to go back to something we talked about earlier in the show. In regards to Halliburton. And I hope this doesn't come off as like conspiracy theorists. But I found it a bit interesting or odd even. That he made his return Friday against Portland. Um, You know if you remember the injury he suffered. I guess it would have been what? Two weeks ago today right? Two weeks ago on a Monday night. National title game. Same night. uh, He gets hurt. The early report is on that Tuesday MRI is. He is going to be. Reevaluated in approximately two weeks. So that would be tomorrow. But yet he made his return, what, about a week and a half into his process?
4: And, and by the way, we felt good last Wednesday when we spoke with Carlisle. We left that conversation feeling that Halliburton was going to be back sooner than all of us thought, right? That's a fair assumption. Right. And again, hamstrings are tricky.
5: They are, you know, any sort of muscle like that, it can be a very finicky situation. I mean, hell, look at Jelani Woods for the Colts this past year. A hamstring injury seemingly caused him to miss the entire season. Um, And then you see Halliburton play on Friday night, and he was brilliant in the game. But I think, again, anybody that watched that game, you still saw some favoring, you know, laboring maybe. Um, You definitely did not see him, like, totally, totally 1,000%. Andy, they don't have a back-to-back. They play then on Sunday, and he's out. He's out due to injury management. Now, Carlisle made it clear there's no re-injury. There's no setback. But I just bring that up to say, all right, are we dealing with any sort of you know, back-to-back management with him now? I mean, the Pacers have a big back-to-back Thursday, Friday. They've got Philly Thursday. They've got Phoenix Friday. Will you play him in both those games? You sat him when it wasn't a back-to-back last night. So I am interested to see that. I think I believe they have another back-to-back before the All-Star break comes up in a few weeks as well.
4: Yeah, they do February 1st and 2nd. They play at New York and then back home to uh, Sacramento. So that's next week. So you got yeah. two back-to-backs within kind of a week, a week and a half here. He obviously wants to play in the
5: All-Star game, so it's not like the All-Star weekend will be total rest for him. Um, and, again, I bring up that NBA, all-NBA threshold and how much money he can make. Right now, Andy, I believe he's missed nine games this season. He can miss up to eight more and still play the 65-game mark, which would earn him that All-NBA consideration and the money that comes with that, which is like a $260 million deal if he were to make that. I I just, I mean, there's got to be a human element to that that he wants to play. (laughs) And and sure, I think he wants to play, period, but there's a lot of financial stake with that as well. So it's not probably the dominant storyline exiting last night, but I do think it's something just to keep an eye on. Because he's so damn valuable for you. And yes, having Siakam, I think, helps you in withstanding his loss. And the Pacers have been a much better team this year without him than they were last year. But still, you'd be naive to just overlook that. So I do think that's another part of last night uh, to keep an eye on.
4: Let me ask you this. Is it you want to see how he looks on Tuesday? A, you want to see is he playing and is he favoring anything on Tuesday? Or is it the conversation of back-to-backs that, that you're worried about? Like, like do we think he's playing on Tuesday? I well, guess sure. that's, that's where we would start. Do we think he's out there? I would say yes. I would too. Just based off
5: Carlisle's comments last night. But, Andy, it, I'm not trying to put like the fan hat on and say, oh, first home game in multiple weeks. Siakam and Halliburton back at home defending champs. What an environment. What right. a fun Tuesday night. Halliburton, let's go. Like, I say it more from the he is so freaking important to your operation that you don't want this to become nagging, you don't want this to become lingering anything like that. And I guess I was just kind of caught off guard when all of a sudden Carlisle last night 90 minutes before tips like, yeah, Tyrese isn't going to play. All I did too is deflating to the game, yeah. You know, injury management, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It it has less to do with, sure, I'd love to see him and Siakam together and it's important for obviously those two to be on the floor together and Friday night it looked great for long stretches with them together, but more so You're in the second half of the season. You really have little to no breaks the rest of the way. The all-star break's not going to be a real break for him as well. You've got a tough closeout to January. And the standings, I feel like we've maybe lost sight of a little bit. But when you made this trade, Andy, you all of a sudden, and again, I'm a guy that thought five or six seed, you need to be super competitive in round one. I think if you exited this season with that, it would be kind of a successful on-court win-loss Sort of standpoint to the season. When you make the trade for Siakam, you give up the picks. You're, you know, in all likelihood, going to pay him the amount of money that you're paying him. You now sped up the clock into needing to get results, wanting to get those results. And right now, you are a play-in team. Now it's very jumbled. Things can turn in a hurry. But I think we've, I get that when you make a trade, there's a little bit of a, you know, growing period, acclimation period, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have a lot of time. For that to play out when you look at the Eastern Conference and look at these standings right now. Well,
4: you also don't have a lot of time if Halliburton's not going to be out there in all of these games. If they're going to be more maintenance games. And I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but But it does happen. It could happen. Yeah.
5: And and again, like, obviously, and Skivvy tweeted this at me how the Clippers are 0 6 to start with Harden. You know, most teams do go through, you know, growing pains. I know the Knicks necessarily haven't done that with Ananobi. I don't think, though, offensively, he really clogs things up too much. It's not like he demands the ball, even as much as Siakam probably needs the ball. Um, but I I just think these are a couple of... It, it, it's an interesting time for the Pacers in that they got to settle on a starting lineup. They've got to get healthy. Um, now the rookies are starting to play all of a sudden, and it's like, wait, are they now consistent guys in the rotation? You're two and a half weeks away from the trade deadline. Jarris Walker got in before Obi Toppin last night. Do we read anything into that trade deadline-wise? You know where are you at with Buddy in that expiring deal? You've just got to get you know Siakam acclimated. Obviously Halliburton's injury. It is a
4: um. They have a lot of things up in the air right now. There's a lot of checklist items right, right. that
5: you just got to get figured out. And amidst all of that, if you purely only care about, just tell me if they've won or lost well, that really matters because the standings are super jumbled right now.
4: Are you a checklist guy? Do you, are you a list guy? You write I, out the list and you guys scratch things off the list or are you not a list guy? I am a big organizational <laughs> human.
5: That's what I figured. I would guy. do the, um, I got one of those like Notre Dame sticky pads. Oh, no, I'm sure you, know? you do.
4: We need to do a show checklist. Things we need. That's what and we you, need. And that would checklist. be my grocery
5: list. And Maddie's like, just, I've sent it to you in your notes app. Will you just open that up? And I'm like, no, I like to cross things off at the, I don't need to whip my phone out every, every time.
6: <laughs> Kevin's got <laughs> is like a pen behind his ear, so he's just like ready to write, jot things down. Got a pen, got a
5: note, you know, put Max Bowen in there. I've told you before, sometimes, you know, give him the banana to keep him... <laughs> entertained as we go up and down every aisle he love he loves when you really push the cart a little faster oh that every little, kid does a little dangerous yeah. uh uh-huh.
6: yeah my daughter's like go faster we're in costco i'm like i'm gonna take someone's knee out well i'm also like have you seen these wheels i mean <laughs> they might fall off yeah you gotta get the cart <laughs> really but they have like off. the cars attached to them There's i so know, but, that's what you need but it's a turning like,
5: radius with with that thing mark
6: oh my god oh i've bashed my you, shins a few times Well, and then you
5: just run into people <laughs> yeah People are avoiding you like the plague. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. It's like whoever's in take car 33
4: out. at the 500. i like, don't get near that car whatsoever. Oh, that's fantastic. Two other stories before we get to a morning check down that I want to hit on that just, just quickly, because they're not full segment stories, but we talked about them uh, off air and they're pretty funny. So did you see over the weekend that for the first time in 45 years, Pitt basketball went into Duke and won the game. Did you see that? I'm sure you probably did. What you also probably saw was Pitt, uh, Pitt forward. Now, he's a senior. Blake Hinson. Did you guys see this? He got up on the scorer's table at Cameron Indoor, and all the Duke fans all the Cameron crazies all the faithful there were giving him the double birds when
6: he was up on the uh, that was a great picture (laughs) the old Bud Adams as I like to call it that was a great picture the old Bud
4: Adams uh so that was that was great I love people say there's going to be a lot of a lot of of people being called into the principal's office there
5: still coached by Capel yes it is is he bitter that he doesn't have that job I mean, he's
4: been awful, at Pittsburgh. But. He has been awful, at Pittsburgh. Uh, I would say he's probably a little bit bitter. Once not yeah. you be bitter? Sure. Yeah, I, I want to say he's bitter. But if you remember a few years ago when Pitt came in there, remember the Cameron Crazies booed Cable? and remember Coach K losing his mind no, no. and going I, over I, to the Cameron I, I, I Crazies that. and scolding them. Remember that? And then the, the- lecture by <laughs> Coach K. Remember when he lectured was it Dylan Brooks? It Dylan he lectured Brooks. in the handshake line. It was Dylan Brooks and everyone crushed Coach K, but now knowing now what we know oh, I, about Dylan Brooks, do you feel differently about that one no, at all? I, okay. I was so all sick right.
6: and tired of Coach K acting like he was everybody's dad. <laughs> so, and and having so a, true. like a 20-month retirement tour. Oh it's so Thank true. You. Thank it's you, so you, Coach true. Saban, for how he handled it.
4: Uh, so anyway, so that was one story. And then the second story yesterday, this is what I was like, God bless, we need this football game to start, was Ohio State women's basketball beat Caitlin Clark in Iowa, oh, is this and, the court storm? and they stormed the court and Caitlin Clark, if you haven't seen the video was running off the court and she collided with a fan and that started the conversation again. This was about an hour before I was like, the football game's got to start here. Okay. I even went to NFL pregame because of this, the conversation on Twitter X then turned to court storming etiquette. Should, my favorite should we court storm? Uh, it went back to Matt Painter's conversation. Who did they lose to? Nebraska. That was the Nebraska after game, After right? the Nebraska game, how three years of players have had the court stormed every single time they've lost a game on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, and it went to that. It went to, did Caitlin Clark, you, you need to see the video. Did she embellish? Did she flop? Why did she have her head down? Uh, why did the individual she ran into, why were they not paying attention Thank God the NFL started at 3 o'clock. For a solid hour, that's what we had on social media
6: yesterday. Like it was turning into like JFK's Zapruder film. Like, <laughs> back,
4: into right.
6: well, back and to the and right. Back and to the right.
5: And I feel like later in the night that we went, we got multiple angles. We and did. now they're saying, should, should Caitlin Clark have avoided? Mm-hmm. Um, she flailed her arms. It was another girl that she hit, right?
4: Yes. Yes. And now, they collided They collided pretty oh, good. It, it was a hit. Now, it was a now, good it collision. Like it Clark was
5: fine, Thankfully. Uh, my opinion on court storming will never change. I believe uh, fans should storm after every win. But I feel like we've we, we got to get all on board from a security standpoint.
4: Yeah, well, like, basically that's what Matt Painter said. And that is what Matt
5: Painter said. Like Again, this is not something that obviously happens every night. But if you're playing Purdue or if you're playing Caitlin Clark, the pregame meeting of, okay, we have a dozen security people. And honestly, I almost think coaches, and I know you can't do this for every game, But I almost feel like coaches should play the timeout game with like a second or two to go and just be like, all right, can we get half of our team off the floor into the locker room? Then the security can now concentrate on the five players that need to be on the floor to inbound the ball or whatever. And then simply get the rope up, get, you know, get one security member for each player and escort them off the floor in a seemingly orderly fashion here.
6: That makes more sense than the pregame. You can't be talk- have loser talk at pregame. Well, when we lose to Caitlin Clark, let's get everybody out of there. I think no, you do no. the timeout thing, so, so
5: today was Ohio State, or it was... It was Ohio State. Okay, so yeah. if you are Ohio State pregame... Your event staff and your security until you gather them in a room and say, "Hey, if we win, oh, I thought you meant we're going to have to <laughs> you do the this. right." And then if you're Ohio State's coaching staff, you know, and you have the lead late and whatever, it's an eight point lead with four seconds to go, you'd say because that's what happened that's what it was. With yeah. With Purdue and Northwestern earlier this year, Chris Collins and Matt Painter got together and said, "All right, let's take a timeout, get some of our guys off the floor here," because again, selfishly, I love those moments, and I get it from a safety standpoint. It's probably not the the safest thing in the world. I mean, hell, it gets a little claustrophobic. I remember from the one time I did storm, I was thinking to myself, boy, this is a, this is all of a sudden got really hot and bothered in here very That's quickly. you your shirt off, weren't you? Well, I needed it honestly. <laughs> um, but it's such Shedding a great layers. moment for these college students and the programs and the fan bases. They
4: should be able to have them, and let's do it in an orderly fashion. Now also Tulane beat Memphis. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't realize Memphis T- was so good. Well, I mean yeah, they've lost a couple games now. Yeah, they're they're going to fall out of the top 25. But regardless, they are they are a fine team. A Tulane student pushed a Memphis player. Like and then he kind of ran like it was kind of like the Carmelo. Remember when Carmelo did the punch and then he ran like so? You see a student like push a Tulane player and then this individual just kind of like disappears, evaporates into the mass of humanity. But I'm like, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'd push a Memphis basketball. I got Malice way. at the Palace vibes
6: when that happened. I'm like, that's yeah. gonna
4: go south I real quick. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's if that's the right thing yeah, to you, do. You've got
5: to make sure that your inmate. I don't know. Maybe it's too unfair to put that much pressure on the security team, but you got to make sure each person has one player.
4: And then last thing on this, because this is what my feed is. It immediately turned into because the Caitlin Clark video is showed her being injured and, you know, colliding and everything else. It then turned into, and I'm sorry, Indiana fans, because I file a bunch of Kentucky people still, it turned into remember when Darius Miller was almost trampled under, during the watch shot. Right. And that one that one was
5: and by the way, that was a great headline in the Indiana Daily Student that Monday, trampling number one, I believe was the exact headline, and Darius Miller's like in the fetal position. <laughs> that's one that's almost out of your control, because that was a game-winning shot. Oh, that was organically awesome. Right. And not, obviously, all court stormings happen at the buzzer.
4: Well, yeah, they're, like all not cre-
5: they're all not created the same. Now, what what happened with Kentucky this weekend? they oh, got the next man. Dirk Nowitzki. Is that what listen, I'm saying
4: here? Listen, I- I'm not... Or is he better than Dirk? Kentu- Kentucky's loaded, man. This is one of those, they don't have any... They got this guy named Big Z. We talked about it on Friday. Zvatomir. Ivisik. Uh, I don't know how you say it. It's something like that. He's legitimately, what, like two. Oh, he's like seven 7'2". And and I remember someone close to Kentucky, I remember talking with them. They're like, I have no idea how we're going to get him eligible because, you know, he played professionally, he played against grown men um, overseas. And so, you know, the Kentucky fans last week put up, they spent, you know, several thousands of dollars. They put up that billboard over off uh, by the NCAA headquarters. I don't know if it was Dell. I can't remember. I went by it this weekend. Uh, It's it's by Gugman House Brewery. (laughs) That's the reason I know, because we went there. Um, And so it's kind of by the NCAA. and, And so, you know, word came out that on Saturday, he was going to be available against poor... Uh, whoever, whoever's at Georgia, I forget the name of the coaches at Georgia now. Um, But, you know, they, Mike, Mike White, that's who is at Georgia. I called a mid-major Mike once to, held Mike, on to, Tom to, to Mike deCourcy He got very mad at me over that. He scolded me on that. But, you know, poor Georgia. And this kid came in and like in 13, 14 minutes, buried like five shots, had a behind the back pass, had a couple blocks, had a dunk. <laughs> he, like, like people are like, he looked Kentu- fantastic. Oh, yeah. Kentucky's now the favorite. I don't know; they're the favorite, but I mean they're going to enter this season. Uh, I told Young Corbin uh, Bordap when he was in. Remember what I told him the first time he was in to go buy tickets to the Indianapolis Pod here for the NCAA so we'll tournament. Get Purdue and Kentucky Boom. in the pod because you'll get Purdue and Kentucky in the pod, now, and that'll be a lot of fun.
5: Remind Purdue fans, or I guess any fans out there, that doesn't mean they're going to be playing each other. Agree, they could be in two totally different B- brackets. And honestly, in all likelihood, if Kentucky starts to get hot and Continue their better play here as of late. They'll probably be a one
4: seed. Uh, uh, I think Kentucky. I think Kentucky will end up being at least a two or a three. I don't know about a one, but I could see them be a two. And obviously Purdue's going to be the overall number one seed unless something happens. You know, Zach Eadie gets injured, they go on a losing streak. But you know, that's something they haven't done in three seasons. Pop quiz coming up in a few. Three
5: one seven two three nine ten seventy for that. Uh, let's do a morning checkdown.
4: All right, 117-110, that's your final last night in Phoenix. The Suns over the Pacers. The Pacers now fall to 24-19 and on the season, 2-4 and four in that six-game road trip. Obviously, we've talked a lot about it, that Friday game against Portland, that's the one that stings. But last night, seven-point loss, pulled close, couldn't get it done in the end. Pascal Siakam, two games under his belt as an Indiana Pacer. Here's what Rick Carlisle thought of his new forward post game.
7: He's a very... Resourceful, adaptable player. I can just I can see that we'll be able to put him on a lot of different guys, uh, a lot of different positions. You know, he started on Booker in this game, uh, ended up moving to Duran and to other guys. You know, offensively, we we've got to get him more acquainted with some of the stuff we're doing, and we're going to have to add some new stuff that's, you know, uh, makes sense for his special abilities. Studying that stuff now, but there's you know there's everything to like about him, really.
5: Honestly, it's one of the better home weeks of the season when you look at the schedule upcoming for the Pacers. They will return home tomorrow defending champs and the Nuggets here, uh, the Sixers on Thursday, and then the Suns on Friday. It'll also be Memphis on Sunday, again, John Morant out for the year, of course, but you, know, you think about a Western conference, and honestly, Memphis still has some local ties that I know a lot of people will enjoy as well. It's the one trip you're going to get from Denver, the one trip you get from Phoenix, and same thing with Memphis, so... A very important week, and honestly, pretty entertaining week when you look at the opponents upcoming for the
6: Pacers. All
5: right, going back to last weekend and college basketball, I guess let's go in chronological order. Friday night from Madison, uh, it went about how every other game goes in Madison for the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, 91-79 was the final score. It was a pretty awful first half for Indiana. They made a couple of somewhat competitive runs, but nothing of... Serious note, they did play without Cleo Ware. Ankle injury for him. Uh, No game for Indiana this week. It'll be at Illinois coming up on Saturday. Easily their toughest stretch of the Big Ten season. And C.J. Gunn got ejected uh, in the stat. (laughs) Then that brought going around. Uh, Indiana leads college basketball in flagrant fouls. So we'll see if... uh, any sort of celebration on that as the season unfolds? You could maybe go banner on Senior Day for that. Did
4: not someone send us? Oh, here it is. Uh, they have seven total. Don't they lead by two. Yeah, as they well? lead. The, thank you to Jeremy who sent this. Uh, they have five flagrant ones, two flagrant twos, so they have seven total. The uh, uh, Arkansas and Florida A and M both have five. They're tied for second, and then you have a tie for fourth: Iowa State, Lehigh, New Mexico State, and Utah Tech. All have four. Again, that'd be Utah Tech with four. Can't hit <laughs> foul shots, but can hit the other opponent in the nuts, right? Something like Putting up Chamberlain oh, numbers man. right now. Did, did CJ Gunn did the, you know, the elbow. Uh, yeah, Was that a little, thought, little uh, embellished by
5: the Iowa player? I would say a lot. Yeah. Uh, by the Wisconsin kid, yeah. And he no, kind of yeah, yeah, nuzzled into him before, but you know what they say about catching the second person there. So ninety-one oh. seventy-nine <laughs> uh, Indiana yeah. loses. Purdue eighty-four seventy over Iowa. So to recap last week for Purdue – both road wins by 21 and 14 points. That is damn impressive by the Boilermakers. Zach Eady's last three games, 93 points, 54 rebounds. Not like, too it, bad. It is just utterly insane what Zach Eady continues to do. Uh, obviously, 31 and 18 if you want to average that out there for the Boilers. Uh, and then Butler over to Paul, 74-60 Big run to end the first half there. Much needed for Butler. Both Butler and Purdue in action tomorrow. Very different start times. Purdue at Georgetown at 6.30. Again, that's a game they just need to take care of business against a bad Georgetown team. And Purdue has got Michigan that is in Mackey. That is 9 o'clock on Peacock here. So the only games for Purdue, Butler, or Indiana here this week come tomorrow night uh, before uh, all of them will be in action coming up Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) It's
4: a slow week. It's a slower, slower week. Pacers week. And it's not for Pacers, Slow but college for college basketball, basketball it is. Uh, NFL is set coming up on Sunday, championship weekend. Chiefs at Ravens, Lions at Niners, Chiefs to Ravens at 3 o'clock, Lions, Niners at 6.30. Currently Baltimore, three and a half point favorite. That one with an over-under at 44 and a half. And San Francisco, a six and a half point favorite with the over-under there at 50 and a half. Tentatively, I think I like the Lions plus the number and maybe the under there uh, in that NFC game. Maybe the under. Debo
5: Samuel, injury watch. Again, that will be a big one here as we get to the weekend. Shout out to Derek Barnes, former Purdue linebacker. He had the game-clinching interception for Detroit yesterday. That one, first career INT for the former fourth-round pick there. Uh, And the IU women, they win in Mackey. That is 10 in a row for Terry Morin's bunch. She continues her extremely impressive run there. In Bloomington, without Sidney Parrish, one of their better players, Indiana hits 15 threes and they beat the Boilers 74 68. All right, it's time for a pop quiz 317 239 1070.
9: We'll pop quiz. Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta, ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
4: All right, pop quiz time on this Monday. Scotty's in here. He's got his Johnny Morton jersey on. You like that? Old 87? How about, so Craig Reynolds, the guy who
7: scored
5: there on that fourth and goal, number 13. I mean, does that not just sound like the number three pitcher for every Major League
4: Baseball team? It does. Craig Reynolds also ruined everybody's parlay yesterday by by not being Jamar Gibbs or David Montgomery to score that touchdown. I so. do
5: love that, Scotty, on the uh, the Lions. Johnny Morton jersey. Yeah, the Johnny Morton jersey. Oh,
4: it's great, man! It's got mm-hmm. the uh, it's got the like the Velcro on the sleeves and everything. I mean, that's an old school jersey. At first, I thought, is that Herman Moore or is that Johnny Morton? Johnny think, Morton. So they the go. Lions. They got a lot of skill talent. I mean, they they've invested a lot with where they've drafted oh, these sure.
5: guys. But I mean, Jameer Gibbs and the Montgomery move was a great move. Clearly, it's kind of a little bit of a thunder and lightning there, and then their wideouts and Sam Laporta. Um, That is a nice, nice skill group around. Jared
4: well, the beauty is, you know, they were already a good team, but they went in the draft and they drafted a tight end high and they drafted Gibbs 12th overall. Yeah, people and remember St. Brown screamed. being a
6: fourth round yeah, pick. Yeah, well, I mean,
4: well, I'm saying, everyone yelled and screamed, ah, you don't take a quarter, you don't take a running back 12th and, you know, a tight end and all that. And, you know, those two guys have kind of put him over the hump to a certain extent. Laporte has been fantastic. I remember when Notre Dame played
5: USC, and this would have been like a handful of years ago, but St. Brown and Michael Pittman were their top two, you know, wideouts. Exactly. And Notre Dame was under the impression there of like, we need to do everything we can to try and take away Pittman Jr. And, and then, you know, we'll let St. Brown get his. And he did. And, St. Brown's great, man. Um, he's good. Yeah, he is a very, very good And runner. golf
4: and, and listen, golf, golf's good, man. And golf has a, you know, he, after next year, he's a free agent. So after the 2024 season, he's an unrestricted free agent. I mean, I just bring it up because he's going to, he's getting paid a little over 20 mil a year, but. Um, you know, golf's, you know, I- 60 minutes away from being to his second Super Bowl. Former, I think they're going to beat the Niners.
5: Former number one pick in Mr. Golf versus Mr. Irrelevant in S-
4: Brock Purdy. And that's golf going back to his Bay Area, right? He's a cow guy, isn't he? Scotty put this up on the board. Craig Reynolds was an all star shortstop for the Astros and the Mariners. So there you go. So, no, he doesn't sound like the Great third counsel, pitcher. He sounds Herald, like a shortstop.
5: I mean, just combine it all here <laughs> from all a baseball the standpoint. Uh, Mark Dykton, give us number, let's go number two uh, here for the pop quiz. Okay.
6: Randy. Hey, Randy. Hello.
8: How are you doing?
5: Randy, how was your weekend?
8: Oh, not too bad. You doing anything fun? Oh, just uh, watch football and and uh, clean up the house.
5: Do you hate the Lions like Andy? Mm-hmm.
8: No, no, not especially. I mean, I kind of I kind of relate this to uh, what the Cubs did in 16 a little bit.
6: Yes, Randy, yes.
4: Well, I mean, that's true. It is. By the way, th- me and Randy had apparently the same weekends. Watch football and clean the house. It's no. exactly what I did. Me and Randy had yeah, the exact, exact a, same weekend. A,
5: I'm all in on the Lions right now, but let's not compare their suffering to the Cubs, right? <laughs> I
6: don't know. It's on par. I mean, not as long, but it's still, yeah, I well, mean, it's what, still pretty years embarrassing. you what, They've had a pretty... century,
5: weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I guess that one fan that they keep on showing at all the games, and Peyton talked to him on the sidelines before, maybe he would like a word with me, but...
4: <laughs> oh, the guy who's 80 years old or whatever? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: Scotty said 165. It's, it's a little... Slightly different. A couple decades difference, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. <laughs>
4: Just a couple. I still relate. Uh, Randy, thank
5: you for calling in. Andy Swinney will toss number well, one. Yeah, line. I
4: will. I would also say... Lions fans are more likable than Cubs fans. Sorry, Mark. I, I, would, say that's, I would say that's probably uh, pretty unanimous. All right. That's the Giants fan. Uh, let's. Oh, they're not likable at all. Let's get question number one. Let's get it right here. Let's get going. The Pacers lost to the Suns last night in Phoenix. Kevin Durant led the Suns with 40 points. Who led the Pacers, though, in scoring last night? Was it Pascal Siakam, Buddy Heald, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner?
7: Uh, we'll go with Siakam.
5: I think this guy scored a lot, and he also maybe gave up the amount that he scored as well.
7: Who'd you say, Randy? I said Siakam.
4: We'll try again? Giving you a little grace on a Monday. Jalen Smith?
5: Jalen Smith was really good against his former team last night. Uh, number two here, the conference championship matchups are set in the NFL playoffs. 29 of the 30 NFL teams have reached... The conference championship game in their franchise history. Name the only current NFL franchise that has never reached their conference championship game. Is it the Jets, the Chargers, the Jags, or the
8: Texans? Texans.
0: No, that's. Mm.
8: That's a good yeah, job. Yeah. Say right, no more. Move qu- on. Question number
4: three. The Lions are in the NFC Championship game, Randy, for the first time since the 1991 season, ending a 32-year drought in reaching the conference championship game. Believe it or not, the Lions were tied for the second longest active drought before Saturday's win. Name the team that na- has now not made it to their conference championship game, over the past 34 years? Cowboys, Dolphins, Browns, Commanders. I would say... Don't overthink it, Randy.
8: Let's go to the Browns.
5: Number four here on this day in 1989. Bill Walsh retired as head coach of the 49ers after beating the Bengals in Super Bowl twenty three. Who was the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl twenty three? Is it Forrest Gregg, Sam Weish, Bruce Coslet, or Paul Brown?
8: We'll go with Weich.
4: Now, Scotty, you'll tell me here. What player got in trouble for the Bengals and Weish benched him during that game? Was it Wilson? Okay, that, that's what I thought. That was a big deal. A big deal, yeah. Sam Weish. All right, question yeah. number five on this day in 1968. The NBA announced that expansion franchises would be awarded to two cities. One was given to last night's Pacers opponent, the Phoenix Suns. Name the other franchise that was born on January 22nd, 1968 Milwaukee Bucks, Seattle Supersonics, Cleveland Cavaliers, Buffalo Braves. I'm
0: going with the Bucks.
4: How about this effort here? Boy, did Randy get four out of five? About or did he get three out of five? Here. It's a good right. start to the week. Uh, Randy,
5: number two. You got right. The Houston Texans. Let's go! Never reached conference championship game. Only team in the NFL. He got three right. Yes! Yeah! Sam Weiss, indeed. Coach of the
4: Bengals. Man, that hurts me. He got number five right, the Milwaukee Bucks. The only one he got wrong was number one, who led the Pacers last night in scoring. It was Buddy Heald. He said Jalen Smith.
5: And then he said Siakam at first. I feel like we
4: should have helped him out a little bit more. Usually, especially you, usually help these guys out on question one. one. Jalen Smith
5: was very good early in that game. I could kind of forgot until Daenerys said it that he was a former son. He had one play, Andy. He was hitting a bunch of threes, but then he had one play where, like, him and Durant got isolated. Next thing you know, he, like, dribbles back and takes a step back right in Durant's face and hits it. I'm like, whoa. Um, That was a big moment, but just some odd. And I'm not saying this by any means, like, rip Rick Carlisle. I understood the thinking there, but it was interesting late in the game how it wasn't Miles Turner. It wasn't Jalen Smith. It was really Pascal Siakam, you know, playing as that center. And the Pacers went small around him (laughs) to try and guard Phoenix to. No avail, as the Pacers did have a one-point lead at one point, but uh, Phoenix made all the plays down the stretch and got that win. All right, thank you to Randy for the call. We'll do it one final time here. It is the Wake Up Call uh, with KB and Andy.
4: All right, fun show today, reacting to everything over the weekend. Uh, Everything is set in the NFL. It's going to be a busy Busy week uh, for the Pacers, obviously. Uh, we'll be talking, mock drafts coming out on the NFL. I know KB has a story up right now at 1075thefan.com. You know, I asked this, and this is something that we can talk more about tomorrow, uh, but I do wonder this, and I wonder out loud, you know, we have had the conversation, KB, about what kind of wide receiver could be out there, right? Like it's not easy to just go find a free agent wide receiver. And, you know, sometimes there's a guy who's unhappy uh, on their current team or a team might move on. And I bring this guy up. I want you to think about this and maybe tomorrow we dive into it. You know, is Stefan Diggs a guy that would be interesting at all uh, to this area? The only reason I bring it up is, listen, he's getting a little bit older, uh, next year, he'll be 31. He'll be making about... Is he that old? Yeah, he'll be making about 18, 19 mil. Now, he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2028, but there is an out after 2025. Uh, so he would get paid next year 18 and a half, 18 in 2025, and then there would be an out in that contract. The only reason I bring it up, and he is a fine player is, you know, his numbers this year are not bad at all. I mean, I may say, well, he's not doing this or that. His target number is still kind of high, but, I I mean, I feel like they forgot about him in the offense in a lot of ways, and I I don't know what they feel like they need to do there. I mean, if you just go look, I mean, you know, last night he had 21 yards. uh, Pittsburgh, he had 52. The last time he went over 100 yards was he had 10 catches, for 100 yards, going all the way back to October 15th against the Giants in that 14 to 9. What was that, Marka? It was a Monday or a Sunday night game because I remember Mark complaining how bad the game was. Oh, it was, it was yeah, it was year. a Monday or a Sunday night game. It, it was one of them. It was Sunday night. That's what it was. I, I don't know. I, I just bring him up because he's not happy there. He is a little bit older. But he is a stud still. I mean, even in a year where I'm saying he's not very good, he had 117 catches, nearly 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, average 11.1 per reception. I would just throw that name out there. A disenfranchised guy. Maybe they feel like they need to move on. Um, And I, I wouldn't give up too much for him, but I would just throw that out there. It's what a dream. It'll uh, never happen.
5: What about a free agent who lost yesterday despite being very, Mike Evans? very good? And that would be Mike Evans. Uh, you, know I,
4: you know I love Mike Evans. Listen, yeah. I, I've said it. Mike Evans is one of my favorite players in the entire league. He is an absolute beast. Absolute beast. Yeah, you know, the
5: Diggs thing, there was a play Romo diagram there late in the game where think Allen sat on it through to Shakir in the end zone, tried to hit the home yeah, run there, D- D- and Diggs he had was, Diggs Diggs on was the, open. Uh, yeah on Underneath. the uh, crosser there that would have gone for, I think, decent yardage there. Yeah, he has been quiet as someone that's had him on his fantasy team. I can speak to that Late later in the season. He had a great start to the year, but definitely quiet later in the year. I think the Gabe Davis injury was really big for them. You know, Buffalo was banged up, and that he got was kind of the storyline um, really throughout the week. And if someone asked me yesterday, hey, Bills or Chiefs, I go, well, my head says or my head says Chiefs, my heart says Bills. It's just I thought Buffalo was too banged up and I think you saw some of that, particularly at wideout in those key areas. Again, they just fall so much into the trap of like their best play is Josh Allen running. And that's just that's just a tough game to play for four quarters throughout there. But, you know, those wideout names, Andy. Um, we ran off the stats late in the year. You look at the top fifteen wideouts in the league, everybody is either drafted by that team or traded. You know, you don't find a lot of free agents that move teams. We'll see if a guy like Mike Evans could be that for uh, some team here coming up this offseason. All right, thank you to Greg Doyle. We had him on earlier. That'll be up on the podcast as well. i uh, hoping uh, for Rick Carlisle tomorrow as the Pacers will begin. Now a four-game homestand starting tomorrow night. Again, it's the Denver Nuggets in town. Sixers on Thursday, Suns on Friday, and then they'll round it out with Memphis coming up as we start to inch closer to the NBA All-Star game and the NFL Combine as well. Busy time here in the Circle City. Everybody have a great Monday. Thank you for spending that with us. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton signing off. 935 The Fan.